Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan, David Haw. Mully and Haw, Gabe Ramirez, kind enough to sit in. David with a well-earned day off, and I think he's a jury duty. Really? Is that is that a well-earned day off? I mean, shouldn't you if you're if you really get a day off? Oh, hello. How are you? What are you doing? Oh, yeah, I, was just, one of these. I was just sitting before we uh, went off to court. Are they crutches? Uh, these are um, uh, chair pants or chants. It's essentially two crutches. I'll just sit here. He's attached to like knee pads and then he's attached them to his backside. He's been arguing with the uh, fine people people. (laughs) with jury duty that he is peerless, therefore cannot pass judgment on others. Do you have any other questions for me, counselor? I'm not through with my examination. Sit down. I might have made that argument. (laughs) Start your mornings with Mully and Haw. 5.30 5.30 till 10 a.m. on 6.70 The Score. Not to patronize. You guys are the best duo on the radio. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6.70 The Score. And here you are. You got through it. You just convicted early. Is that it? The Morning, Mully. Yeah, happy Tuesday. Yeah. My Monday was spent uh, in the system Going the through the process. <laughs> you should write a book about it. I know. It, the was, it would be a short book, and it, I don't think it would be very interesting. Yesterday was a lot of waiting, and then I was not part of the juror panel that was picked and uh, was excused and went home and missed the day. Thank you to Gabe for filling in and getting up early. I slept in, but I don't think that I enjoyed the process. I would have rather been here. No. <laughs> 
Yeah. I would have preferred to have been here, especially after a wild Sunday oh, and a wild what weekend. A great, what a great weekend. In the city. What a what a glorious day for the Blackhawks, oh top my. to bottom. It was, it was just, you know, we talked a lot about it yesterday, obviously, but that was the best day of the year. That's the best day in a number of years for the Blackhawks, just from – Shelly and that and the in his speech and all the people that were there all the way through to Kaner and the video tributes and then Sydney Cindy Crawford with the goal that might have been the that? highlight of the that whole That was a great highlight. Thing. You know somebody was asking me about it yesterday. I was still buzzing about Sunday sure. from the show we did for Chris Chelios at Kaiser Tiger, that was a great experience. And then going to the game, being there pregame for Chelly's speech, which was tremendous. Oh, phenomenal. Going to the – then he had the little press conference afterward. He was still talking. He did a lot oh, of talking. He was great. And then you think, all right, that was cool. Let's watch some hockey. Patrick. And, that, and that was just – Well, the hockey the itself was yeah. like, at first, okay, this is a game which is the backdrop to all the ceremony and pomp and circumstance. And and the Blackhawks can still throw a heck of a party. Uh, it, it was they fantastic. do that right. Yeah, it was great. Patrick Kane taking three laps after being introduced yeah. was just electric. Yeah. And then the way the game ended, it was like one of those things you're going to remember. I was there – that happened. It really did happen in front of us. And I and I could not remember, you know, we have been fortunate to be covered a lot of sure. big events. You went through the Bulls in the 90s, and but we're there working. And I wasn't necessarily working Sunday. No, you were just having some chuckles. Having some chuckles. I can't remember a fan experience as an adult. I can't remember. Any more rewarding than that. I can't remember a home team losing in a standing ovation going to the guy that won the game. Yeah. I, I don't it, think I've ever seen that before, and it was obviously a special thing with Patrick Kane. Um, I had said facetiously before the game, during the show to Grody, and I even said this, to, repeated it to my son who was at the game. I said, you watch. Patrick Kane's going to win in overtime, and they're going to cheer him, and they're like, no way, they're going right, to boo him. He's right, going to get booed. right. And I didn't think it would actually happen, and then it actually happened. Awesome. And the reaction was as memorable as the the really goal. Something else. And we'd seen that goal so many times before. Yes, yes. What a cool night. What Theo great, was there. Eddie Vedder, Vedder was there. I mean, you know, at one point, they just Rodman. scanned the crowd, and Mark Messier is just, like, sitting there. And I was like, holy cow. Yeah. Like, it was, it was like the – it was – Rodman looked rough. I don't know what's going on. Looked with a Rodman. little rough. Um, I've been a long but, night. Who but knows? John McEnroe. I mean, yeah. wow! It was well, it, it was really something. Chelly's reach is pretty. Oh, it's pretty vast, no doubt. And we know that from talking to him on a regular basis. And his his speech was oh, pitch perfect. I know that he perfect. had some help with it from Kaylee, and he, she edited it, whatever. But they did a nice job of finding the way to deliver it anecdotally, casually. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. He was worried about the clock for a minute, and then that went out the window. It was just, they gave him all the time he needed, and God, it was fantastic. And it was, it was funny. Be, he he brought day. attention to Kaner coming back and not stealing his thunder, then Kane yes. did steal his thunder. But that was so great. Like, Kaner, you'll be up here soon enough. You know, it was really, it was great. It was great. And, and there were so many great, you know, 
athletes, Blackhawks, so many people there that it, it was extraordinary. Well, the past really was celebrated in a way that really yes. we haven't done no. in a long time, especially with the Blackhawks. Right. You kind of have been. Blackhawks have been kind of keeping their it, head. Kind of hesitant. Uh, yeah. You know, you, how, how hard do you hug them? You're just still, are you still mad at them? Is it okay to like the Hawks again? Oh, my God, did you see what Bedard did? You know, and right. that was the first time. Bedard had commanded all the attention since he became a Blackhawk less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. But that was the night where he right. was not center stage. He was like, all right, there's Chelios, there's Kaner. Oh, by the way, there's well, this superstar. I mean, you know, Gretzky came in and said hello to him. I mean, that's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. Yeah. It, it was uh, – there was just all the hockey royalty, and uh, it was great. Hockey royalty is a good way to put it. Yeah. And uh, it I really think Bedard sad. was just – was almost uh, – had to have been sitting there in awe of his environment. And he had a good game. Kaner had a better one. Red Wings came in. How about the Brinkett to Kane for the game winner? Right, and all came, kinds of symmetry came to the brink it to tie the game. So. Yeah, how many like you was there? So was there more Kane jerseys? Yeah, we Bedard were jerseys or Chelios jerseys. I think there were more Kane jerseys. I saw more Kane jerseys. I saw a lot more Chelios jerseys than I anticipated because well, it had been a such a long of, time ago. But I mean, no, they had the teams in them. But, right? I mean, I'm saying Bedard everybody wore, had a Chelios yeah, T-shirt. That was great. Bedard wore the yeah. the black number seven to the yeah. game. That so was did, cool. It's, did you see uh, Brent Seabrook had the number seven, but it said uh, Chelios on it? I know. I that was, was funny. Cool. Yeah, I, I thought that there were more Kane probably jerseys uh, than Bedard jerseys. I wondered that during the show. You know, Brandon, we talked about that, seeing if, if that would be the case. And it, he hasn't been gone that long. You know, he just got traded a year ago. Right. And it was still. Two teams removed. Two teams removed, and then you have people. I've had. I was asked three times yesterday, various different conversations about Sunday. You think he's coming back? Do you think he'd come back? How about how long is he going to play? Could he be the his final his final shift with the Hawks with Bedard? Wouldn't that be cool? I don't know. Who knows how good will the Hawks be who, in three years? Bedard and who's the kid? Who's the who's the kid from Boston University? Celebrini is that the next number one overall pick for next year? Hawks going to be making that number one pick Macklin, in all likelihood. Macklin Celebrini, is that the name of the kid? He's like 17 years old as a freshman in college. I want to get some of these other kids up first. Get some of these other kids, these other prospects up, no, start to help them. getting the number one overall pick. No. Lining those guys No. Up. Give I, us this year's Bedard. Well, you can take it this year. Then you got to start winning. Then you got to start. I was reading. They did a whole thing in the uh, athletic about the minor league prospects and rating them. They rated the Blackhawks system, I think, seventh, mm-hmm. which surprised that me. That surprises me. Yeah, yeah, because I think in the in the hockey, whatever the other one is, uh, they rated him like third or fourth. But, um, you know, they, they've got Oliver Moore. They've got uh, Nazer. they got some good young players that are on the way. They just got to get here faster. It's get here take, fast. It's going to take – you know, two I was, more years before they're competitive. They're not going to be competitive next I year. I don't know if uh, I heard this correctly, and I'm just curious. I was there when they introduced, obviously, before the game, and Luke Richardson, I heard a smattering of boos. I was surprised at that. Why would you boo the head coach of a guy who's basically there to keep keep the young players focused, 
playing at a high level as hard as they can, and they do that. The Hawks never really lack that much effort. I was surprised to hear a smattering of boos. For Luke Richards? Yes. I didn't. Maybe it's just a section I was in. I don't know. I wasn't me. And yes, you're right, Molly. Macklin Celebrini. Thank you. Number one overall pick. I told you. I'm, you were doing I'm your hockey in, buddy. prospect research. Digging in. Hey, we did three hours of hockey on Sunday. If you want to continue that, I'd be more than happy. But I think we – No, no. We just yeah. wanted to get your thoughts on the day because it was a glorious day. It was day. a glorious it day. Really, I, it was – you know, it was kind of the last day of the season. Until <laughs> they get this, you know, Macklin Celebrini kid. <laughs> it, well, that's in, that's in June. That'll well, like be the, I said, that's, the draft. This is like the Bears, you know, the, the the NFL playoffs, the Super Bowl, everything's over. Now it's Bears time. Now you can jump in. Well, when the Bears, if the Bears. See what happens in Indy. If the Bears get Caleb Williams and the Blackhawks get Connor Bedard and then they go out and they get the second number one overall pick again in Macklin Celebrini, who's closest to a championship? Uh, definitely, uh, definitely um, – <laughs> Pete Crow Armstrong. Okay, see, the Cubs, is it he's going to be the best player? Well, we played it, that a couple times yesterday. Did you? Justin, that was fun. Honor. That was fun. I think I think Brandon loves to play that clip. It's my favorite drop. Yes, it's my favorite one. Yeah, he, every once in a while, whenever. Uh, well, my prediction is going to be P C A Pete Crow Armstrong. So a Cubs outfielder will be the biggest star in Chicago by the year twenty twenty eight. I don't think that's going to age well. Oh, now don't don't. No, I'm you, not like trying to trigger anybody. You th- don't you but, be giving up on PCA. But what did I say before we played that? There's going to be Caleb Williams in town, likely. There's go- there's already Connor Bedard in town. Your guy, who's going to be now forevermore, your guy Macklin Celebrini is going to be in town. Hey, you know the return of the Mac. Patrick <laughs> Williams, cornerstone. Oh, He's stop cor- it! Self-proclaimed cornerstone. Stop it! How about that one? Oh my gosh. We talked about that one yesterday. That, and that that was a him calling himself a cornerstone for the team was a stopping point in everyone's life momentum. Pretty brittle cornerstone. What? Yeah, that that's the problem. You're the what? Yeah, I don't think no. that's something that makes sense. If he is one of the cornerstones, then they have to really they have to really surround the cornerstone with better pieces. That's the problem. We're going to need better cornerstones. We're going to need be- stronger cornerstones. Yeah. We're going to need more corners. There's going to be more than – it's not going to have to be four corners. You're going to have to need, you know, you need a hexagon. Two different texters want you to know they were saying, Luke, not boo. That could have been. That's three different texters now saying, okay. Luke. I, listen, you heard, you heard a boo. There was a lot going on. You heard a boo in there your There could heart. have been. I was like thinking maybe there was – I was confused. I was a little bit – because I was – Doing a lot of things, talking to a lot of people, and I heard, wait a second, were those booze? No, you're right, probably Luke's. All right, <laughs> Luke's. It's not me, it's all the texters. Thank you, texters, keeping me honest. They yeah. can do that. Oh, boy, yeah, yeah. that was yeah. Yeah. best fan experience that I've had as an adult. Wow. Leave it at that. Well, I think it was such a good long day, and you know, the Blackhawks, what they did is they had everything blend into each other. And it was, it was just a glorious day. They they did everything right and everything worked together, and it was like in harmony. And it was, 
it, it was the anthem was really electric. Well done. They have not had yes. as big of a moment in that building. Well, for they haven't hockey. had as many people. That was a that well, was the largest crowd of the yeah, season. Makes sense. But everyone um, was amped. It was the biggest moment since it's like a thousand people more than fit in the building. Maybe so. That's what they said anyway. They have not had that big of a moment since June of I, 2015. Someone exited that. It was on Exeter. I don't know what the hell you call it. But the last time when they won the championship, the it's in they beat the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. June, whatever that was, in 2015. That was the last time that I could think that place was that electric. And that loud. And yeah, it, was a big, it was a big afternoon, and it was um, best loss it ever. Was a lot of fun, <laughs> greatest loss in the history of the of the Hawks. And and again, there was some Detroit Sox cheers. I mean, that's that's an important thing to remember. It's an old rival, and uh, and yet you end up cheering for the the you know hometown hero, even though he's from Buffalo and uh, he's he's Chicago's. Mm, on loan from Buffalo. He's, 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 Kane is a Chicago more of a ranger sports legend. Mind. He's more of a ranger. No, he's not. Sure, he you're is. just trying to. You're just trying to be. It's a Red Wing. It's a Red Wing now. Ornery. No, he's. Not. He's a motor. Oh, I, I know. That's that's difficult. They're, that's a good team right now. They're playing well. They're going to get well, to the they playoffs. Got, they got two good Hawks players on the same line. Kane is hot. Playing at a high level. The Brinkin. He's the also playing cat. at a high level. Cat. Yeah. I like the cat. Yeah. I like the way he prowls. There's a lot of good. The there's a lot of good Hawks players floating around the NHL. Yeah, you know, how about Panarin? Panarin, Woo-hoo. he had like five assists. He was on TV over the weekend, nationally televised mm-hmm. game. Yeah, he still's got it. He, there's a lot of ex-Hawks. There are. Wow. You know what's extraordinary? Like, I mean, I'm just sitting there and I'm watching, and there's, you know, what a foursome, right? It's, uh, it's Sharp and Hoss and. Uh, and uh, Duncan Teeth and uh, Seabrook sitting together, and you're looking at that, and you're like, "Wow, like what an unbelievable! How do you win like three Stanley Cups? That's how you load a team with guys like that. Yeah, guys who and, and no one there wasn't even a mention of Jonathan Taves. Never heard his never heard his name. Yeah, I was I was surprised he didn't show. I don't know the circumstances. I thought he might have shown up because. Those guys were there because of obviously out of respect for Chelios, but Patrick Kane returning sure. was a big deal. Right. And but he's low profile. When you think of uh these days. Marion Hosa, he had his jersey retired before Chris yeah. Chelios did. Yeah. That's how much that's how much he meant to the organization. And Duncan Keith is likely next. He's got to be next. Mm-hmm. Poor Steve's not gonna have number seven to retire. Well, they can still retire. I that's yeah. down the list. They gotta get to Steve they Larmer can still first. Roll it up. Steve there. Larmer, good old number twenty eight. Yeah, I remember Steve Friend Larmer. of the program. Steve Larmer, super quiet guy. Good interview. Did him Sunday. Was yeah. really good to talk to him. Doug He's Wilson, a, tremendous. He, he was, as a player, he was a very quiet guy. He did not like doing interviews, and I think he'd rather, like, climb into a locker than, than stand there. I was warned about that. When I, he was younger. Or at least, not warned. That sounds foreboding. I was told that he was a little bit of reluctant public mm-hmm ambassador if you will the, as a player he's one of the shyest guys i ever saw yeah. in any locker room but what a player any sport great player great player love chelly who didn't love chelly oh chelly man about town theo showed up how about that yeah theo that was wild that was pretty wild but you know everybody everybody loves chris chelios 
Cindy Crawford. Mike Jordan didn't show up. Yeah. He had a death in the family, apparently. I heard. I, I watched his uh, video tribute. Yes. How about Paul Konerko sending his best? From the golf. That I saw that, too. He's a hockey guy. That's one thing I do remember well about Konerko, who was always no, in. You're, uh, you're thinking of that guy from the Twins. Who? He was a hockey guy. What hockey guy? More no. No, I'm talking about Konerko. Konerko used to stand at his, at his locker in the clubhouse and it, it, have good co- hockey conversations. And that was, um, you know, he knew a lot about hockey. He, he did know hockey well. I think he was a big NHL fan. So I wasn't shocked to see him send his best. A lot of people knew Chelly. No Chelly. No one. Can't wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk to Chris. Is it tomorrow or Thursday? What He's is on today? Wednesday. Today's Tuesday? We're talking on Wednesday? Yeah, every Wednesday, 8.45, appointment radio. I know, radio. but we had to move it the one day. I Things think, get confusing. I think, I think we're set. Yeah, um, anyway, it, it's great. The, uh, the combine will take over probably for the next week or so, especially with uh, Matt Eberflus unveiling the quarterback plan this afternoon. That's not going to happen. Oh. They're not going to say anything today. I think it'll be interesting to hear them no, how I, they I evade the topic. Yeah. But wait a second. You're going to go. They'll the, evade the topic like an offensive uh, coordinator. The com- the combine is big, is big, but Cody Bellinger's coming to camp today. That's the big day today, right? Dexter Fowler. Uh, Cody Bellinger, we knew about that Sunday. Yeah, but Just still, saying. it's I mean, a big it's deal. Like, when he shows up for the first time and talks and yeah, no, explains why, how his offseason was. Yeah, I don't know how his offseason was. It's interesting. We'll have to break it down. Uh, we talked about it a lot yesterday, obviously, but I think that um, it's just one of these, you know, it's guys making $30 million a year. They've never paid anyone $30 million a year. So that's nice. But he did not get his $200 million. I, and he was looking for like 225 right? And probably at one point thought it would be closer to $250. Expect cha- expectations changed dramatically for him. I wonder how he handled it at all. I wonder – when it got right down to it, what his role was in advising his client or his agent who works for him. Scott Boris works for, for Cody Bellinger. He, he said enough. Let's I don't go. know. It sounds like it. Maybe. Because yeah. Jed Hoyer won that one. And I think when you look at. Well, he was going to make $25 million. He opted out and he's making $30 million. So, I mean, he did get the, the $5 million tip. But for a guy that probably went into the offseason – expecting to be paid um, like Otani, who, by the way, makes his debut today. He's going to yeah. strike out against Garrett Crochet. That'll be fun. That'll be fun to um, see. I hope he does that because Garrett Crochet. I'm already taping healthy. it. It's yeah. going to be on, I believe, MLB Network is doing a rebroadcast of it at 9 p.m. According to my TV, these things never work out the way I want them to. You know what I mean? Like, I would have to, like, monitor it the whole damn day. Yeah, I hope that works out for you. Yeah, I, yeah that's good. I, I've been I'm watching not, not a lot yeah. of spring training. I'm interested in Cody Bellinger, what yeah. he has to say and how he answers that question, because that is... Which question? Did, did, is he disappointed with his contract? No, not is he disappointed. He's not oh, going to say that. Did you take I want to know his role in the negotiation Morris? late and how he came to pass that he agreed finally to a deal that everyone... Um, was surprised about in terms of its size and length and terms, but it also it's a one-year deal. It accomplishes him accomplishes what the Cubs wanted to at it's, the beginning of the offseason. He's here. 
2024 is relevant now. It's a one-year deal. Yeah. And it could be a two-year deal. I don't and, think there's any way it's a three-year deal. I don't think it's a three-year deal because the $20 yeah. million dollars in the third exactly. year it makes it untenable. Unless he's, it's a bad tip where this guy shops. In, in this neighborhood, that would be some place he would not want to sh- shop. Not, not in that third season. Right. That third season is just tacked on. He's still a young man. so the, he's 28 still, years old. He can still get all the money he dreamed of. It's a great deal for the Cubs. Jed Hoyer did it right. And I want to hear great him. Great deal for the Cubs. I want to hear what he has to say, and I think he'll probably be very gracious and he'll fit in. And this is the culmination of an offseason that they had to have. They had to get Cody Bellinger. Now that they do, that's exciting. Sunday was well, Sunday was huge. We had Chelly and Belly making news. Celebration of both. Chelly and Belly. I don't know. That's a lot of nicknames. <laughs> really? It's two. It's- I mean, two different sports, though. But they both came together to make news on the same day. Big news. Huge news. Chelly well, and Belly. I would argue that Chelly didn't make huge news. I would argue I, I would argue differently. I would argue that. Yes, how, he did. How? How? We did three hours of Chris Chelio's coverage. Yeah, I That's understand. News. I understand what, what, uh, how we celebrated it. But I'm saying that wasn't news. That was... That was career achievement, and I would hope that Bellinger has more career in front of him, right? How about Chris Bryant until he's 48? Is that the craziest statistic you ever heard of? I, I, I was surprised that he said that he could have played till he was 49. He had the opportunity yeah. to join the two, 2010 Hawks. I did not know that little nugget. I that can remember. That would have been unbelievable. It would have been. Yeah. I can remember when he was playing with the Wolves, going out there to do a column with Chris yeah. Chelios at the – Ripe old age of 46, I think it was at that point. Yeah, ageless. And he still still looks like a million bucks. All right, we got to break apart all the stories of the day. We're going to pick them apart. It's Mully and Haw. We got the pick six next here on The Score. It's pick six with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick six with Mully and Haw starts now. Matt Eberflus will be at the podium at the Scouting Combine this afternoon. Will he clear up the QB1 discussion? Will he unveil the plan? What will be the big news out of the media session? Oh, I, I think uh, Matt Eberflus, you know, we'll probably talk about whether how he's groomed, right? Whether his, his beard is trimmed or something. I, I don't expect Matt Eberflus, it doesn't appear to be in his nature, to uh, to be the guy that blurts out all the quarterback stuff. I think that, you know, I, I would be surprised if we get clarity on uh, on any of that today. I don't think it's the time. I think they're down there. They're going to have meetings. I would guess that he will be kind of uh, – he will be dancing like the offensive coordinator was in the same position. I think, um, you know, it's an interesting session because you are there – and you're, the whole media is there. It's not just the Chicago media, so he'll be asked kind of league-wide questions and other stuff as well. Um, I don't believe there will be breaking news. Um, I just don't – I'm just trying to, in my mind, figure out what that breaking news would be. They've named their coaching staff. Um, I would be surprised if, uh, if they kind of uh, leak anything regarding – 
the offseason plan altogether and how they're going to uh, uh, rebuild their team. So I don't, you know, Matt Eberflus is he doesn't give the most riveting news conferences. I'd be surprised if this one varied from that uh, example. Well, maybe we'll hear about the new look, right? He's got a he's got a new look. He grew out he grew out a beard. He has a new hairdo. You think he's gonna talk about that? Well, I, I he's gonna be asked <laughs> you, about it. You no, know he's not. He, oh, okay. Do you think he's gonna talk about that? If he's asked about it, he's, I mean, he's not gonna go out of his way. But I bet he's asked about his new look. You can, he's gonna talk about. He's gonna be asked about his stubble. He's gonna be asked. About, he he looks like he lost weight. He looks like he lost weight. He definitely got a new hairdo. I think some of the players were also taking like credit for like influencing the new hairdo. So I do think that there will be some fun about that. Yes. I don't know why that, I mean, gosh, the scoffing. I mean, boy, welcome, welcome back, Dustin. Take you, two days off. Dustin, and it's like, welcome back. I, you know, I don't think your, there was keep scoffing. Your, keep I think your, he keep just jumped your, all over you. Well, you don't your, really th- believe. That's, yeah, that's I do. Not David, a I, you, you and Molly won't be there, okay? Right. So, like, there will be some. Eh, Questions asked today, trying to break the ice, seeing if they could get him loosened up a little bit so we might be able to get some information. They're not going to say anything. They're going to say nothing. Given all your experience in sports talk radio, given all your press conferences and locker rooms and all those things, if you were there today, would you ask Matt Eberflus about his beard stubble? I don't know about the beer stubble, but could you talk about your your new look since the end of the? You know, was that your wife? Was that your daughter's? I'm t- it's a way to loosen things up. It is. Yes, I, I do believe in today's in today's day and age, and the fact that as Molly just said, he doesn't really give you a whole lot. I mean, maybe we're going to find out. Are they going to tag the cornerback today, <laughs> or are they going to announce that there's a new deal with the okay, cor- maybe. maybe that's the news we might that find would out. Be awesome. The, the cornerback has been tagged, or there's a new big time deal for the cornerback. That that would be the new. If anything gets broken today as far as news goes that to me would be the news we have tagged the cornerback we've got a new deal with the cornerback that would be the news today and boy ryan poles you look thin have you been eating different are you and matt are you in are you and matt Eberflus on the sota <laughs> state of the art there you go you're still selling that they're getting residuals for that i think fortunately that, no i think that matt Eberflus today is going to stay on brand and in character the bears have one objective i think today when Ryan Poles meets the Chicago media and then later when Matt Eberflus meets the national media with Bears beat members present. You've got to make clear that you believe in Justin Fields. You've got to rally, not rally, you have to provide a unified front. We believe in him. You have to let people think that you actually could keep him. You want to let everyone know that you support your players who are under contract with you, even though... You may be taking offers in Ryan Poles' hotel suite, and you better be. You better be open for business. They better be doing more in that that hotel suite than playing darts and putt-putt. That is where you want to make a deal. But publicly, you want to say Justin Fields is a tremendous leader. He's a consummate professional. He's the toughest guy in our locker room. We love the way the players have rallied around him, and we can envision keeping him. We can envision him taking us to the playoffs. And, oh, by the way, is that a second-round pick you're offering Las Vegas? Okay. What do you think, Atlanta? Do you have a first-round pick you're willing to give us? No. I don't know what they're going to get for him, but publicly they have to provide a unified front that you'll hear from Matt Eberflus. Privately, they've got to be seeking offers to make a deal for the quarterback that's moving on. What I was going to say to your question there or your statement 
That's the voice of Taylor McGregor. She'll be here at 825 live from Cubs camp. Any idea how long Cody Bellinger will be with the Cubs? Is this three-year, $60 million deal a one-year deal, or will he be here for two years? If you had a guess, will he be more or less likely to get a long-term deal after the upcoming season? Is regression a legitimate fear? I think regression is a legitimate fear based on the metrics from last season, and I think that probably prevented a lot of teams from wanting to write those 8- to 10-year contracts and to write a check that big, make a commitment that, that significant financially. I do think Cody Bellinger, this is a one-year, $30 million prove-it deal again. And I expect him to prove a lot. I think Cody Bellinger's worst days are behind him. Maybe that's looking at it from a Cub fan perspective and the glass half full. But I do think his worst days are behind him. I think he's a winning player. And I think that he's going to be part of some winning with the Cubs. And ideally, his presence makes the Cubs a division champion. They go into the playoffs, they make some noise, and he wants to come back and be part of it again. There will be more suitors next time around, perhaps. But I don't know where baseball is headed with these large contracts, these 8- to 10-year deals, the, the mega deals that you saw Otani sign, the, the, the Bryce Harper deals, the Mike Trout deals. I'm not quite sure if he's in that category after the season. The worst-case scenario for him is that he comes back and makes another 30 mil though next year. That wouldn't be so bad. For the Cubs or for Cody Bellinger, let's wait and see. But this is a one-year, $30 million contract to make the Cubs NL Central champions. Well, I'd love to see what Pacota has to say now if they're going to readjust now that uh, Cody is officially back because they have the Cardinals winning this division with 83 wins. Cubs around 80 wins in the uh, Pacota predictions. I think this is a good deal for both sides of the equation, and Cody should be an absolutely massively motivated player. Because it's kind of now or never in order for him to get this. Once he gets to 30, I don't think he's getting 200 million after the age of 30. I just don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen. This is um, kind of got Carlos Correa written all over it, right? So he had the one-year deal again and then proved it and then got his 200 plus million um, from the Twins, and he was again just shy of 30 years old. So this is a great. I, I, either Cody Bellinger is going to make. $30 million and then $200 million, or the Cubs are going to be on the hook for $80 million. It's now or never. I think that's so, but that's the fear. That's why he didn't get what he wanted because to answer the question, regression is a legitimate fear. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think that there is definitely a fear of regression, which is why he didn't get the big money contract that he was looking for. What was his um, war last year for something? And they as the comeback player of the year, the projections are in the three range for him because the batted ball metrics would say that um, he probably did better than he should have. Um, we'll see. Uh, it is going to be fascinating. I think if he if he um, has a big year, then he'll opt out. And if he doesn't have a big year. He'll opt out after the second year. But I don't see him – I mean, he'd have to kind of fall off the ledge and have an injury or something to actually want to be there for the third year at $20 million. I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. So I think, you know, depending – and, you know, he should be a very highly motivated player. He's on effectively a one-year deal, and he can try to get back – into free agency in the offseason. So 
Uh, but I, I, I would guess it's probably like a two-year deal just in case something goes awry this year. He can he can have cover with another thirty million next year, and then and then try to make some money uh, before that third year. But you know, I don't think. I mean, his regression. It got to a point where he was DFA'd by the Dodgers, right? And and I think that had to do with injury, as much as anything. He had a great year last year, and he was healthy. And I think that. Um, I think that even if he regressed a little bit, it won't be that bad. I think he'll have a pretty decent year. I'm looking forward to it. That's a big question. That's the voice of Bruce Levine. He was a guest here yesterday with the Mully and Haw Show. What do you make of him telling us that if he were the GM, Pete Crow Armstrong would remain with the Cubs as a late-inning defensive player, double switch with Cody Bellinger going over to first base? What about you? Would you start him in Iowa to work on his hitting and pray for a Christopher Morrell-style return to the Big leagues. Yes. Yeah, I would definitely start him in Iowa. Uh, you know, it doesn't mean he's got to be down there all year long, but I think that when you look at I, – I, I get what Bruce was saying, that that he has this defensive ability that is um, that raises the the games of the players around him and you have to have your best players. You, you have to look at him in terms of the long term. You don't look at him – as a guy, he he needs more at bats. He needs he's a young player, and he needs to play a lot. And I would rather see him do that in Iowa than limit his at bats in the big leagues. And then you don't know if you're crawling around in his head or what you're doing in terms of his development. I think he needs more at bats, so I would send him to Iowa. And and again, if if he go if he starts tearing it up, and he's making all these circus catches and you know, you you believe that his game will translate to the big leagues, then I would bring him up and maybe. But I, I think I would be more likely to let him develop at his pace in Iowa than kind of rush him to the major leagues unless you needed him. And you've got, you've got Tauchman, uh behind Bellinger, so you've got some cover. Uh, is, is, you know, is... Is Canario in a different position in terms of his rookie kind of you know young player status uh, than than uh, a PCA? I would say yes. So if you really wanted a you know outfield help, a, a, you know a a fifth outfielder, I think he could be that guy for you. And they got a lot of guys in camp too that might fit into that role. So I think I'd leave him. Uh, in Iowa and and let him work on hitting and just see what happens. Well, this is a really interesting question. Plus, they kind of, because of how big the Bellinger news was, they added a first another first baseman. So they've got like a glut of first baseman. Like, is somebody getting traded? Dominic Smith you talking about? No, 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 no. While we were all celebrating Chris Chelios and while we were all kicking our heels about uh, Cody Bellinger, Garrett Cooper Signed on as a first baseman. Not Garrett Cooper. Yeah, Garrett Cooper. Ever heard of him? Yeah. So, I'm just saying, again, he's not like going to knock your socks off and go to the All-Star game. My point is, but there's another guy, a lefty. I believe Garrett Cooper is another lefty hitter, another first baseman. Right? I mean, here's the thing. They love defense as a group, as a collective group. But Craig Council is also coming in here with his own thoughts and his own way of doing things. Mm -hmm. And Rosenthal just wrote a piece about – how Craig comes in and, and the Cubs 
better realize, and Jed's on board with this, to shake things up. The, the past is the past. We're moving forward. We're not going to be status quo. We're going to do things different. He went out of his way to say Crow Armstrong needs to be playing every day, whether that's here on the north side or down in Iowa, but every day. But if you're on the verge of winning, as David is suggesting, and I'm agreeing with, like if you're going to win this division, it's not the worst idea in the world for him to kind of sit stagnant and come in and play gold glove center field 7-8-9 and move Bellinger either to the DH at that point or to first base because how important your defense is. And if Bellinger's in center field, what level of defense do the Cubs have at first base? And is that part of this equation? I think that's a good point. And I think let's talk in three or four weeks. All right. I mean, PCA because is the big story. PCA is is a big story, but it also the Craig Council's input in this mm-hmm. will will be the most important voice, and it will carry the furthest because of what he means to this organization. And if he thinks that that uh, PCA is worth having in the lineup every, three times a week or as a defensive replacement, he'll be in Chicago. I think that they're are good arguments to be made for why he needs more seasoning. He would think, argue that he would belongs in Chicago. He had a very confident uh, and and confronted the questions. We interviewed him on Saturday and inside the clubhouse. He's not shy. He's a great interview. But I also think the flexibility you can look at in spring training, even though results don't matter, according to counsel. Michael Bush, PCA. Michael Bush, PCA. Who's further along? If Michael Bush is not what we, you, the Cubs want him to be, Cody Bellinger plays first and PCA is, then he's the easy center field option, even though you have Talkman to do a little bit of everything as well. He gives you some flexibility. The roster versatility that Cody Bellinger's return affords Craig Council is huge. And I think the PCA decision is one that you don't have to make on February 27th. You see what happens. And I think that Council might be leaning toward keeping him. Can you, can, I guess, okay, Michael Bush question mark. Is Christopher Morrell not a question mark at third base? Perhaps. And now you're going to add another question. I, I'm I'm just wondering how you're going to line it up. And who's and the DH? Gonna, to your point, right? Who that's like exactly? You right. know, is Bush the DH? Is Morrell the DH? Every once in a while, you're going to want to get Cody Bellinger off his feet I, and have him DH every once in a while. I, I mean, think that the seven days a week, you may have four different lineups because Craig Council is here to not have the same one every day. That's kind of a dated concept, and I think you'll see some mixing and matching depending on matchups and depending on who's hot and who's not. Now go ahead and ask me whatever you want to ask me, and I'll answer whatever I feel like. Did you enjoy hearing Governor J.B. Pritzker respond to a question about public funding for a new White Sox stadium? I start out really reluctant, and unless a case is made that the long-term, that the investment yields a long-term return, for the taxpayers that we can justify in some way? I haven't seen that yet. Do you think Uncle Jerry enjoyed hearing that? That sounded like a carefully worded, skillfully crafted no. And I think it was a sobering no. They were comments from the top politician in the state of Illinois that wanted to tap the brakes on this momentum because, yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, those are beautiful renderings. Oh, my gosh, is that exciting to think about the Sox playing in the South Loop. Now pay for it. Now reach deep into your own pockets, Jerry Reinsdorf, because you know what? 
Governor Pritzker is not playing, and he's not paying, and he's not interested in a billion dollars in public subsidies for your own ballpark. So this was JB. This was JB Pritzker. I think reminding people that gone are the days where the the public's going to be on the hook for these vanity projects. Now this doesn't have to be a vanity project. It can be a great thing for Chicago in terms of development, in terms of jobs, in terms of all the things that they need to convince politicians that matter. But so far, not so good. That was a no. That was a no shot. I would love to be inside the head of the chairman to know what he thought when he heard that clip. Doesn't he know Michael's going to have to sell the team and they're going to leave? That seems to be his whole modus operandi. Uh, uh, that was a hard no, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, that was not even a wiggle room uh, kind of half arsed yes. There, you know, the whole idea of the project is, well, we need to make a certain amount of money, so give us this, give us this, give us this. There, there was nothing about a long-term yield for the taxpayer at all. Um, and and it's interesting because, you know, they hadn't really made their pitch yet. They had just kind of shown their plans. And by all accounts, the while we know what the money was going in, there, it wasn't. They didn't really ask for it. Jerry didn't really ask for it when he um, leathered up to talk to the uh, to the legislature. And you know, you heard the governor say that he didn't see any of it, but his people did. And here's what they told him. Um, I, I really, I think you're right. It was a very articulate, uh, you know, well, well prepared answer that ultimately was a flat out no. Did you see? Did you say leathered up? Uh, Jerry leathered up. Jerry's go, all leathered up. He got all leathered up to go down. Was that there. leather or pleather? Well, didn't he? Yes. That wasn't like a fake leather jacket. I, no, I think it might have been pleather. Okay, maybe. Hey. You know, that's a really good question. Are you planning on watching White Sox-Dodgers later today? Is the promise of Shohei Odani's debut coming as it could today against the Sox lefty Garrett Crochet worth the investment of your time? Yeah, I just probably would watch the first inning. You know, it's it's kind of a drag. I wish there were more Sox games on TV. And I, to my fault, my detriment, I have not spent a lot of time uh, trying to figure out uh, if they're, if I can watch these games, I mean, I, 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 am guessing since MLB is going to run it at nine o'clock at night, that it's going to be the Dodgers version, right? The Dodger games are probably like the marquee network running Cubs games. You pretty much, you know, get your fill of them. But I, I haven't gone to the Sox website to look for any kind of a standing cam or anything or what. I don't know what they would do. Uh, to show those games, but I did watch the two games, uh, the two White Sox games. I, I wanted to watch Cubs Sox. I watched the Sox version because I wanted to hear John Schifrin, and I was curious to hear him broadcast with Stoney, and so I watched the second game that was broadcast, and I and I, I think they won't be on again for a little bit, but I would um, I would be curious in monitoring that just to kind of get a feel for how that broadcast is going to be. Um, and I thought he did fine. I thought he was um, uh, good in that role, fine, well enough. He's a pro. Whatever. He was a pro. 
I told you a friend of mine texted me and basically said that his enthusiasm, wait till he goes through a season of the White Sox, his enthusiasm will wane about halfway through this thing. I don't see how anyone can remain positive about what we're going to be looking at. So, um, yeah, I want to see Garrett Crochet strike out Shohei Otani in Otani's debut. I want to see that matchup as well. I think that's cool. Uh, you can be all over X and, and find a right. clip of that, I'm sure. Uh, I will follow your lead, Molly, as you mentioned earlier. When I do get home today, I will go to the uh, on-demand, and I will find it, and I will hit the record button. I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I, I think I'm curious. Uh, I'll probably catch up with it later. I don't have a ton of curiosity about the White Sox just yet. Garrett Crochet against Otani is a good matchup. I am curious how Otani looks after the surgery, at mm-hmm. the plate, swinging the bat. That's always fun, although I will watch him with a bit of envy because obviously that was the pipe dream going into the Cubs offseason. Not going to necessarily make a point to watch much more than that. Maybe as time moves on in spring training, I'll see, you know, get involved in the White Sox a little bit more. Right now, today, I'm probably more curious about how Matt Eberflus answers the questions about his 5 o'clock shadow than I am about seeing Garrett Crochet face Otani. I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. That's the voice of Brad Biggs. Biggs time 725 today, live from the start of the NFL Combine. How about the beloved Loyola Rambler receiving one AP Top 25 vote and three in the coaches' poll heading into a big week? They face uh, two quad one games. Tonight, they've got the St. Bonaventures and Friday night, a home game versus Dayton. Can Loyola keep up the winning ways? Well, if I only knew some Loyola graduate and alum mm. that might have connections to a ticket for that Dayton game because they're going I for need like two. $200 I need a, a piece. Pair, two. This is fun. Done. One vote. Only one vote? Call Shelly. This, <laughs> this is a good team. This is a good college basketball team. Drew Valentine's having a terrific year. Could be A-10 coach of the year. And you look at where they're headed and how they're peaking maybe at the right time. We're at, March is the end of the month, and this is the ideal time for Loyola. It's Loyola time. It's winning time. It's Rambler time. So, yeah, they can keep up the winning ways because I think that they did the lull thing last year. They rebuilt with the transfer portal and all the things. We talked to Drew Valentine last week, sounded very capable and confident. This is the time that Loyola will start to take off a little bit. So I think this is going to be a good week for the Ramblers. Next week, maybe, maybe they get more than that. Now, these are two games that you should get in front of that you'll want to get on the couch yes. and get on your TV or your app or however you consume it. And I will definitely be looking at that Dayton game Friday night. And again, Mully, I need two. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you know, if I'm not mistaken, the, the kids go on break uh, starting Monday, which means basically starting Friday. So I hope they stick around and make sure they go to that game Friday night because they're going to need that crowd. I watched their game against George Mason on Saturday, and George Mason had just beaten Dayton, which is how the Ramblers wound up with a share of first place with Richmond. They've won 20 games now, and they're 12-2 and in the A-10. And so, you know, tonight feels like a classic trap game going into – the Bonnies, and that's a decent team, and they've got some size, and they've got a, a pretty good player who they thought was going to come to Loyola, uh, uh, Charles Pride, and he stayed. Uh, he went to St. Bonaventure instead, and then they come home for the Dayton game, which is a big game. So um, again, they're 
Their net ranking is like 93 in the country. It is not good at all because they haven't played a lot of quad one games. So these two games count as quad one games if they can continue to win. And I and as I said, I watched their game against George Mason. They won that. They were up 30 in that game. They won that game by 20. They that's the best game they've played all year. They are like 11 men deep. Everybody they brought in contributed. I think like 10 guys scored points in that game. Um, I, it was it was about as thorough a victory as I've seen them have this year. They're playing really good basketball, and they're playing very confidently. So let's hope they don't fall into a trap tonight, and then they come home and uh, and handle business. The atmosphere at that game was crazy. The student section packed, everyone going nuts. It was a sellout, as the Dayton game will be, and well worth going to, well worth watching on television. So I think they're on ESPN Plus tonight, if that helps, and then they're, uh, they will be on television on, on Friday. Go Ramblers. Yeah, keep up your winning ways. All right, we've got the extra point next. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the school. Go Ramblers! Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mullion Haw on 670 The Score. Do you anticipate the Bears being a top story at the Indianapolis Scouting Combine kicking off today? Will there be clarity involving QB1? Will it be draft and trade and trade and draft? Or will it be the status quo? If you were guessing, Justin, Caleb, Jaden, or JJ? I think there will be more curiosity than clarity. A lot of people asking wondering, speculating about what the Bears are going to do, even though in Chicago I think that there's a growing understanding and expectation of what they're going to do, and that is to trade Justin Fields, and I think that makes sense. I don't think it's that hard to justify take keeping the number one overall pick and using it on Caleb Williams, provided that he passes all the pre-draft tests. He won't do much this week at Indianapolis. He won't throw, apparently. I get that. Anymore, these guys have pro days, or maybe they won't have pro days, but there's so much time between the end of their season and the draft that in some cases, you wonder how much damage they can do. It used to be you can only improve your stock. Some of these guys, the more they work out, the more flaws they might reveal. So they won't run. They won't throw. They won't do things that you typically expect them to do. Right now, the number one priority for Ryan Poles is to evaluate the prospects but find suitors for Justin Fields. Create a market if one exists. And then you have to deal him, likely before the league year starts in mid-March. That's the priority. Jalen Johnson, you want to get him a contract extension before you have to tag him. You want to avoid tagging him if possible. That may be front burner, but I think it probably is back burner this week. He'll be asked about it. They may be working on it, but I think this is all about the quarterback and about all about their next move. It's all about the quarterback. Quarterbacks are going to talk and throw some on Friday. They're all going to talk, but they'll, some of them are going to throw. J.J. Mm. McCarthy throwing on Friday. That's interesting to me that he's going to throw at the Combine and not just at the Michigan Pro Day. Um, if I'm guessing, I'm still thinking it's Justin. I think they're going to get a ransom for this pick, and they're going to move it a couple of times. And it's not just because Peter King said it. I've been saying that before Peter King said it and got a little buzz yesterday, but you trade it. 
and you go down to two, and then you trade it again, and then you maybe go down again. You think they're keeping fields? I think they're keeping fields. I think they are. I think they're smart enough to know they are not just a quarterback away. But I do think a lot of this is going to depend on how this interview goes this week with Caleb Williams. How I, I if you were allowed, I would love to be in on that interview. Love to hear what that guy has to say and what he's asked and how he answers. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, here's the problem. You know, if you don't take Caleb Williams, I think you pretty much need to keep Justin Fields. I think that if you take – if you fall in love with another quarterback in this draft process and you decide to not take Caleb Williams and, and he really is what they've been selling us on, generational talent, then you get fired. I mean, that's just that, – that if you pass on a guy who ends up being an impact player – and you take a guy who ends up being okay, that's that's grounds for dismissal. I'm sorry. That is a really bad setup for a guy. I think that Ryan Poles has a lot to think about, to talk about, to examine and determine. And part of it is that interview. I agree with you, Dustin. I think part of it is the interview with all these guys. But, you know, you you have to understand what sort of the consensus is about who the best player in the draft is. And if there is if that consensus changes, I don't know, man. I, I don't know how I would feel about it. I, I just feel that it's gonna be Caleb Williams. I have felt that way for a long time. And if it ends up not being him or being someone else, then they better get a hell of a lot better because uh it it's it's it, if you trade that guy and he winds up if being you trade the pick and he becomes a star yeah. or a Pro Bowl quarterback or all-pro quarterback, Not you good. might as well put a fire me sign on the back yes. of your shirt there. That's just the reality of it. Because you're just not going to keep your job. All right, we got Mike Florio next. We can run some of this by him. What are the big talking points at the Combine? The Bears obviously on the clock. The first pick, is it in play? We'll uh, – We'll ask Mike about that next. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. Mike Florio, ProFootballTalk.com, NBC Sports, Twitter.com slash ProFootballTalk. Day by day, day by day, we get better and better. We get better and better. So we can't be beat. We can't be beat. We'll be beat. NFL insider Mike Florio with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Mike Florio is live at the Combine and now joining us on the Circa Sports Illinois Hotline is Mike Florio. Download the Circa Sports app today. Michael, good morning. How are you? Doing great. How are you guys today? Doing well. You know, we're all fired up because we're going to hear something from the Bears. I don't know what we'll hear from the Bears. I don't expect we'll hear a lot from the Bears. We know the coach is talking. We know that the general manager will talk to the local media uh, down there. I, I believe uh, uh, Matt Eberflus gets to talk to, to uh, all. But I doubt they will reveal whatever their quarterback plan is. But they have a quarterback plan by this point. So it'll be fun to uh, to catch a lot of the rumors and talk and all such uh, stuff that will be going on because the Bears are, of course, on the clock. 
I'm looking at our schedule for today here in Indianapolis. Ryan Poles, 11.45 a.m. Eastern. Now, it all is subject to change because once they start coming through the media room, you never know when you're going to get, who you're going to get, when you're going to get them. But I look forward to sitting down with the general manager and seeing what he has to say and watching for any tells. Although, he's got a pretty good poker face. Last year... We didn't know what he was up to, and he ended up pulling off that trade that, among other things, got him the first overall pick in this year's draft. So it's going to be interesting to see. I've been on record for months saying that you put too many eggs in one basket when you make a quarterback that first overall pick. You better be damn sure you're getting a generational guy, somebody far closer to Peyton Manning than Jamarcus Russell if you're going to make that pick, because otherwise you leverage that pick, you get a lot more, you build out your team around the guy that we still don't know what his ceiling is. That's what I keep coming back to. We don't know how good Justin Fields can be. And when you have players like DJ Moore, a receiver who came to the team last year as part of that trade package with Carolina, saying this is the guy. There's nobody out there in this class better than him. When you have teammates that are convinced that Fields is the guy, you really take a big risk if you move Fields and take a quarterback with that first pick. So a lot of it comes down to what they can get. And you only find out by engaging in the conversations of what people are willing to pay. Yeah, but it might be a bigger risk if you miss on Caleb Williams and he's a star somewhere else. That'll get you fired in a hurry if you're Ryan Poles, Mike. I think that's a good debate and a great, lively conversation. I want to ask you this. As they get to know Caleb Williams, as they do the background checking and research, what role will it play? How much impact will it have that he does not have an agent? Well, The biggest issue with not having an agent pre-draft is that the other quarterbacks who have agents, and I'm not going to say specific agents do this, but generally the thinking is all's fair when you're trying to get your guy drafted as high as possible. That's really the only value the agent has. Once you're locked in, your contract is predetermined. It's all pre-negotiated. It's all a formula based on the spot. So the best you can do for your guy is get him taken in the highest spot possible. And I think one of the reasons Lamar Jackson ended up 32nd overall six years ago was because he didn't have anybody out there doing two things, both sword and shield, shielding him against the comments like Bill Pauline saying he should move to running back or receiver. You need somebody who knows how to get Pauline on the line and make the case and get Pauline to go back on the air and modify what he said. You need somebody who's going to call general managers when this stuff starts to get steam and other agents are saying, yeah, take my guy instead. I mean, it's so obvious, it's so transparent, but it happens. So you need that person who is protecting you from the BS that others are trying to put out there and launching their own attacks. Hey, you know, Drake May, he isn't all that good. Jay Daniels, who cares that he won the Heisman Trophy? Here's why my guy's better. Here's why he's worse. Here's why my guy's going to you know, give you job security for the next 10 years. So that's where not having an agent can become an issue. Now, Caleb Williams may be so good, and it may be so baked in that he's the number one overall pick. It doesn't matter. But I'll tell you this, if he slips from number one, one of the potential reasons is going to be he didn't have an agent out there fighting for him when everyone was fighting dirty pre-draft. There is a rookie wage scale, right? There's a rookie uh, 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 wage scale. In other words, the agent isn't going to matter when it comes to how much he's going to get paid uh, in his contract. It would matter in the second contract, and maybe that's where 
it could really bite him. I, I hear what you're saying. Well, no, about- no, but it matters in where you get picked. Right. That's what matters coming in. You need an agent. Hey, the table's set for him to be the number one overall pick. Okay, fine. Now you got to be the number one overall pick. And if the agent's representing the other quarterbacks or the other players that could be the first overall pick, manage to make some inroads and leak some stuff. You know, the C.J. Stroud nonsense last year. Somebody's trying to get C.J. Stroud to not be the second overall pick in the draft or was trying to make the Panthers look better for making Bryce Young the first overall pick in the draft. That's the kind of dirty pool that happens. And, and so, yes, the agent's role for now, get your guy drafted as high as possible. After that, it doesn't matter. But the key is getting locked into the spot that pays you the most. Mike, got to ask you about your post this morning. Very compelling, intriguing. Are the Vikings really considering trading Justin Jefferson, or is that just something that if you can't sign him, you might come to the conclusion you might have to, but how realistic is that? Well, like I said last year, if they don't get this guy signed to a long-term deal before the start of the regular season, I'm not going to rule out the possibility that they'll trade him next year in an effort to get themselves in position to get their year-to-year franchise quarterback. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa, the team's GM, had made a comment about Kirk Cousins basically not being Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, who is. But you're not going to compete for championships without a short-list franchise quarterback. And they haven't had one since Fran Tarkenton, for crying out loud. A year-in-and-year-out guy that is going to take them to the, to the mountaintop or close to it. They've had plenty of great receivers, and what's that done for them? And they traded Randy Moss. They traded Percy Harvin. They traded Stephon Diggs. They have a history of trading great receivers. All three of those trades happened, I believe, on the Wilfs watch, although I think Red McCombs traded Randy Moss before the Wilfs bought the team. But Harvin and Diggs were both traded by the Wilfs. And if, if Jefferson wants too much, and look, he wanted more than what the Vikings were willing to pay last September, would well, they get any cheaper – since last September, and it definitely got more expensive on Friday when the salary cap went up 13.6% to $255.4 million. That raises the price for everybody. So my point is this. Until they sign him, a trade is possible. And if they're thinking about trading him and trying to move up in this year's draft, this is the week to do it because everybody's here. You work out your deal, you, you get an agreement in principle, and then on March 13 at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, you, you put the key and you twist it and you tell the league and, and you have an official trade and Justin Jefferson's on a new team. I, I got to tell you, that that is insanity to me. That, that, there's a lot of crazy stuff crazy. going around. Um, That's crazy. Where, where you know, where obviously we look at the cap going up, as you mentioned. I think the Bears are going to have roughly $80 million under the cap by the time all this is said and done. That doesn't mean they're going to spend the eighty million. That doesn't mean that, uh, and I, the fact that everybody has money would indicate that maybe the market is not going to be great because you're going to jack up the price of everything. Well, let's not forget our good old friend collusion and the impact <laughs> it can have. We saw it last year with Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson available to anybody that was willing to give up two first-round picks. And who wouldn't give up two first-round picks for a proven franchise quarterback? Nobody even made him an offer. Oh, the Ravens are going to match it. Oh, he's too injured. Oh, he's this. Oh, he's that. You can come up with an excuse to support anything you want to do. They can come up with excuses not to pursue Justin Jefferson. They can come up with excuses not to pursue Kirk Cousins and give him a fully guaranteed contract. He's going to be 36, and he's got a, a torn Achilles tendon he's recovering from. So you name a player, and teams can come up with reasons to not pay him. And as the market goes higher and higher, 
the oligarchs who run the league, and they are American oligarchs. There's no two ways around it. They find ways to win. They find ways to keep as much of their money as possible in their pockets. And that's the thing to watch. We all think it's going to be drunken sailor time. I think it's going to be a lot more strategic. And we're going to see maybe not the kind of ridiculous spending that we thought that this salary cap bump might lead to. Mike, Russell Wilson talks a lot. Is the door still open for him in Denver? (laughs) No, no. And here's why. There's no way he's going to agree to lay the vesting of his 2025 salary, currently guaranteed for injury at $37 million. March 17, 2025 salary becomes fully guaranteed. That was the issue last year. They wanted to delay that until next year. They wanted another year to work with him and make their final decision about what they're going to do because they already own $39 million for this year. He's not going to agree to that. And when you look at the things he said to Brandon Marshall, he's got enough stuff that's factually wrong, that is kind of inflammatory to the situation from the Broncos' perspective. There's no coming back from that. There's no mending the fence. He's, he's being you know, the guy who says all the right things by saying, I still want to play for the Broncos. I still want to play for the Broncos. But I also don't want to give up this guarantee. I don't want to change this date. That's the impasse. They're going to release him. He's going to go somewhere else. And the question is, would he take the league minimum of $1.21 million one year, stick the Broncos with the balance, they owe him $39 million, they'd get credit for the $1.21, go somewhere else, be the starter, resurrect his career, see what happens next year. I think that's what he's going to end up doing. Is, is the Bears deal and they're, you know, on the – whatever they decide to do, is that the biggest story at the Combine? Are there bigger stories? That's the one that is the most obvious, but it's kind of like watching and waiting and what's going to happen next. Who's going to get franchise tagged and who isn't? Are the Chiefs going to tag Chris Jones? You know, we already seen the Bengals are going to are going to tag T. Higgins. And one of the reasons, and I have officially tagged him, one of the reasons to apply the tag now, even though there's another week to go before the window closes, you don't want when the tampering starts, and this is tampering central in advance of free agency, You don't want teams to waste their time talking to agents who represent players who are going to be franchise tagged. We're not going to try to make you an offer then. We're not going to put numbers in your head as to what we would pay you if you were going to be a free agent. You're not a free agent, so it doesn't matter. So I think that's why teams do it. They want to just make sure no one tries to get a little too close to their guy that they plan to keep around. So Chris Jones is the one, the Chiefs' great defensive tackle. What are they going to do with him? They haven't tagged him yet. and. And, yeah, it's just, you know, you cast a wide net and you wait to see what happens. But this is a week where a lot of potential business gets done, some stuff that we're expecting and probably some stuff that we're not expecting. Great stuff, Mike. Thank you, buddy. Have a great week at the Combine. Thanks, Mike. See you. That is our guy, Mike Florio. Good Good stuff. stuff. Strong opinions. Good debate. I think he's he's in the minority about the Justin Fields stays with the Bears crowd. I, I don't understand that. I don't understand how people don't see how obvious neither, it is for Ryan Poles. You neither does Colin Cowper. He doesn't. Oh, let's. That at all. You want to talk about that? Ah, we should talk about okay. something. Uh, I yeah, I really want to talk about um, this idea that DJ Moore has once again come out and said that uh, that that Justin Fields is the best quarterback. Uh, and is the guy and all that. Okay. And, and the and you heard other people saying yesterday, oh, the, you know, there'll be a revolt in the locker room. I I mean, 
stuff and nonsense as far as I'm concerned, but we should probably get to we'll it. Get Mully to it. and Haw on the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. The relationship gelled real well from the beginning. Uh, since I got traded, he was in contact, and then we started throwing together. So it made the transition into games and uh, everything uh, easy. Yeah, we could add another receiver. They got some real talented ones. Uh, I know uh, Marvin, so, no, that would be a choice of mine. But uh, any of those guys that uh, are the big names I've seen and uh, really like. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score of that is the voice of DJ Moore, and um, he doesn't quite understand why the Bears would change quarterbacks. And he's been consistent in saying that all along. And and I don't know if you heard yesterday, there was a, you know, I, I, Field Yates and, uh, and, uh, and Mel Kuyper had this conversation. The players would be saying, wait, 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 we were cool with Justin. We supported Justin. We thought Justin had a really bright future. If you trade him, you're going to have to deal with the potential wrath of the locker room and the initial blowback. But also, if it doesn't work out, Mel, the locker room will be very... Well, we're adding to that locker room with Marvin Harrison Jr. And that's what we're doing. What we're doing here by moving... If we draft Caleb, we don't get Marvin. We don't get Odunze. We don't probably get neighbors. We don't get any of the top three receivers at nine. Okay? More than likely, nine's not going to get you one of those guys. Yeah. So we have DJ Moore. We need another receiver. Now we got Justin getting the big timer, and we're getting next another first, all right? And we're getting a second round pick. So yeah. we're getting things going here by making that trade for Justin to get the help he needs. We draft Caleb. We don't get that receiver at nine. Right. So that's the discussion here. If you believe Justin Fields can get to that Lamar Josh level, if you believe that, mm. 
How old is, is Justin Fields? Well, he's in his fourth year now, so like I mean, twenty-five. Yeah, I mean, he's young quarterback. Yep. Young quarterback. And their quarterbacks coming into the draft as a rookie are twenty-four years of age. Yeah, I, I mean, that's all. It's all just nonsense uh, to me. You, you know so, what, David? You know what happens if you draft a new quarterback? You get over it. That yeah, there, there's no revolt coming in the locker room. Well, they don't have enough. They don't have enough gravitas as individual players to lead a revolt in the locker room. Okay. It's a young team. This, you know what happens when you change quarterbacks? You get over it. That's what happens. And if you don't, then you're not going to be there very long. DJ Moore is a, a great teammate. And during the season, he stuck up for Justin Fields yes. many times. That's not necessarily new. But I think when you hear things like the wrath of the locker room, it's totally overstated. Nonsense. And it, it speaks to... Last year's environment applied to next year's chemistry. When you draft the number one quarterback overall, you are essentially telling everybody in your franchise, they now work for him. And that's the truth. If you draft Caleb Williams number one, he becomes the de facto CEO of the Bears organization. And people will fall in line. Not that they necessarily have to, you know, abandon all kinds of, uh, they, they don't have to, they don't have to necessarily like it, but they have to adjust and adapt. No doubt about it. And they will. They definitely will. Once they see why they drafted him number one overall, and DJ Moore sees that the ball is where it needs to be when it needs to get there, that's an easy way to adjust and adapt. It makes it much easier when the player backs up all the hype. The other thing about it is, and this can't just go unnoticed, Mel Kuyper there said that if the Bears can get Justin Fields to play at a Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson level, they could definitely bring him back and win that way. You think? What has led you to believe over the last three seasons that that's going to happen next year right. or the year after that? This is not a small sample size. Right. This is a conclusion reached after three seasons of Justin Fields. Now there haven't been everything. There ha obviously the Bears bear responsibility for limiting his development and growth, but it's not all on them. And to see Justin Fields blossom into Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, I don't know if that's a leap I'm ready to make. It's a quantum leap of faith. Yeah, I I, I gotta tell you, I just think that that a lot of this noise that we're hearing has very little to do with uh, with what goes on in terms of building football teams up. And uh, you know, I do understand the idea. Well, you know, if you make two trades and you keep trading down and you get to the Oh, you're going to wind up with everything you could ever want. I, I mean, I understand all that. I understand the thinking of it. And, you know, you pick first and you pick ninth and then you pick 73rd. But presumably, if you are taking a quarterback with the first pick, then you're trading a quarterback and picking up a second and maybe picking up another later round pick. I, 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 I just have a hard time kind of sitting here looking at this as if there's only one way to do it. There are a lot of There are options. a lot of ways to do that. You got to weigh it, all of it, it and you got to consider exactly what 
you know, where you're at and what you need and how you want to go about this. Every time you see one of these mock draft proposals that suggests the Bears should trade out of that position, I know right. Dustin's in favor of that. Every time you see a proposed haul, whether it's the Raiders, including Max Crosby, or the Giants, including Thibodeau, or all the things that include a collection of picks and a player, right, Molly? Ask yourself this. Would the Texans give up C.J. Stroud for that? Mm-hmm. Would the Bengals give up Joe Burrow for that? Right. Would any team that believes and has benefited from drafting a franchise quarterback trade him for the Hall? And the answer would be a resounding no. No, no, no. And that's what I think the Bears are going to conclude. And I don't think Ryan Poles is going to entertain many of those trade offers that seriously. I respect Peter King. I do. Everyone in the business does for all that he has done for as long as he has done it. But the fact that he suggested that the Bears are ready to trade that, I think, is pure speculation. I think there's a lot of pure speculation going on, and I think there's going to be a lot more. And I don't believe we're going to have a ton of clarity until they get. And and didn't Ryan Pohl say that this time he has to hang on to the pick? He can't. He can't go early on a trade. He's going to try to – He suggested that. He, he but, said something along those lines. And, you know, he owes it to himself to make sure that he's carrying this down toward the end. He does, but it's different this year than last year, isn't it? Because if you're trading Justin Fields, don't you think the best deal will come by a team who wants to get that done before the league – year begins and before free agency begins so oh, they fill I mean, one of those seats at the table yeah listen he if he's trading justin fields which he probably is then you need to start cutting that deal now sooner rather than later because what is it march 14th whatever they got to make a decision on the uh on the fifth year of that contract and that is 22 million uh that they would have to make a decision regarding he's scheduled to make six million next year are you going to are you going to pick up that fifth year? Um, is he easier or harder to trade if there's a year beyond that mm-hmm. in his deal? I, you know, I think that, again, the Bears have nothing but money and they can do whatever they want to do. A lot of money. But I'm, ter- I'm talking about if you want to maximize what you're going to get back. The assets. That. Yes. Yeah. While we're airing grievances. Yes, please. Can we hear what Colin Coward had to say about his misperception and misunderstanding of the Chicago media. He paints with quite a broad brush, and this is what he had to say. Chicago media, their opinion of him is just not reality. Everybody else sees it. The Chicago media all season long tried to uh, defend him, uh, elevate him, uh, protect him, promote him. Maybe they're watching Ohio State film. But if you look at his second half stats in his career, third and fourth quarter, so this is when you're off script. Now it's up to you. No more script. It's up to you. Three years, his career, second half stats. 77 passer rating, 58% career completion percentage. You know what that is? The guy I keep comparing him to, Zach Wilson. But New York media never defends Zach Wilson. They call it as they see it, as they should. I respect that. Chicago media... This guy deserves another year. He is, in the second half, Zach Wilson. Highlight tape, moves pretty well, good arm. Not efficient, not accurate, off script, very limited. The New York media calls it the truth. The Chicago media has been protecting him and buying into this, we really like him, stop it. 
Come on. You're not hoisting a trophy. Caleb Williams is way, way. Drake May. If there was no Caleb Williams, Drake May's too talented to pass on, in my opinion. But the bones are in the work, according to Albert Breer, as they should be. I don't have a problem with him getting an offensive culture somewhere in the league. I don't have a problem with him getting a really good offensive coordinator wherever it is. But the Chicago thing, stop trying to tell me something that's not there. Efficiency late in games and in the second half off script. He's Zach Wilson. That's what he is. The numbers don't lie. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess he may feel that, um, that there have been uh, too many protective comments about Justin Fields from the local media. I don't, I don't agree with that. I think it's, I think it's, you know, it's Justin a bad read. Fields so it's is an the quarterback read. of the Bears. Yeah. We've talked about this is such an important year for him. He came back from the injury, and he played better at the end of the year. Ultimately, you know, going up to Green Bay and losing in that game probably sealed a lot of uh, of the the sort of feelings that people had about him. I don't I don't know that there's been this wild protection of the quarterback at every turn. I, I don't think we're going to be able yeah. to be in a position to agree with that because no. we have been consistent since the yes. season that yes. this was going to happen, this is what the Bears need to do, and you can't pass up on a chance to take a quarterback that as far back as during yeah. the season was evaluated as one of the best coming out in over a decade. I, I That's what I think the problem is when you have out-of-town national media types who are polarizing and generalize and do a lot of things that aren't necessarily accurate, they paint with a broad brush. And you just don't like being lumped in with the people that sometimes have been, you know, looking the other way or convincing themselves that Justin Fields is capable of doing things that he hasn't yet proven. I, I think that's the problem with that, as well as I think it's unfair to Justin Fields to just label him Zach Wilson. There are a lot of limitations in his game. He's not Zach Wilson. No. He, he's a guy that is capable of winning, uh, being a winning quarterback in the NFL. Zach Wilson hasn't proven that. No. And no. I think that's just a lazy comparison on top of another lazy observation. And it's disappointing from someone who I think is easy to respect in Colin Coward, but he's off the mark here. 312-644-6767. Let's start with Paul. He's on the south side. Hey, Paul. Good morning. Hey, guys. How y'all feeling, man? Right. I just had to chime in on this Caleb Williams. I've been watching the tape, and I watched the guy on YouTube who compared Caleb to Justin. I didn't know Caleb um, was playing against, like, the worst pass defenses in all the games where he was playing so good. Then when he played to the level of competition, he lost all of those games. He can't see over the offensive line. I mean, it's just so much that I see that's just wrong. I'm not um, backing up on Justin or anything like that, but I don't think Caleb is the guy, man. There's too many red flags that I see. And like I said, he can't see over the offensive line. And we don't have good coaching here in Chicago. I look at Green Bay, they got superior coaching. And it's, it showed in that game with the Bears against Green Bay. And I just want to hang up and listen to you guys. Well, I just don't know what you're basing that on. I, I think you can see and pick out games from every quarterback in college football, and there are going to be times when they struggle. Caleb Williams, his height could be a concern. What will he measure this week? Will that be a deal that 
is for to some people a deal breaker. Would that be information that they just can't live with? I, I think you could find all kinds of reasons not to do it, or you could talk yourself into the idea that this guy is definitely the best quarterback that people have seen on tape in a very long time and go with that. I, I'm not quite sure what you're basing this on when you say that, you know, you're you're out on him and he's a he's a bust. I, I think that's um I just don't know where that's all coming from from people. Yeah, I I, I think um, I, I think it's super strange um, that this is the process. This is the draft process. You know, you you get this opportunity and then you look at it and it's supposed to be this guy and then you start picking him apart and you start tearing him down and then it it depends on whether or not you fall back in love with them at the end of the process. But that, this is part of what you do. It, it, what, what you're talking about, well, I looked at the tape, and, oh, he, he's not doing this or this or this. That's just sort of the way you go about assessing these guys. And I, and I think that far too often there are players that are just created players, you know, and, and um, Zach Wilson is one of those where there was never really a basis for – for him to be taken as high as he was. And it was, you just start trying to create a guy because you're so desperately in need. That'll happen this week. Of someone. That'll happen. That'll happen this week. Well, that'll happen. The beginning o- of that the process. Yeah, because pro no days about are, are those things that are overstated and in sure. inflated importance. I think the combine yeah. itself is one of those situations where you have a week long exercise of evaluating the- things that really aren't football type. Evaluations. Again, you know, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. The reason the combine is in Indy is because the number the number of hospitals in proximity to the downtown workout center. This is not about how guys run and how it, it matters. You you know, you get yourself a speed coach, make sure you're running well and you're doing good stuff. But this is more about making sure that you don't have any medical issues and that whatever injury you had is healed. And that's as big a part of the combine as anything else. But you will have three quarterbacks, Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix and J.J. McCarthy, that will be throwing at the combine. I don't know if they're doing everything, but they're definitely going to throw. And then you'll have quarterbacks that aren't going to throw that have decided that they're going to save it for their pro day. Marvin Harrison, this is the weirdest one. He apparently isn't working out at all. He's there to do the interviews, and he's starting to get ready for his season, he said. He's not doing anything. I don't think he's even having a pro day. I don't think he is. Or I don't know if he's showing up at Ohio State's pro day. That's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. I I compared it to when you have a defendant and you don't put him on the stand because you don't want him to incriminate himself. Yeah. And I think Marvin yeah. Harrison's looking at the only way that he could go right now is it's down. down. Yeah, everything's by, worked out perfectly. Oh, I thought he, Everyone he, knows. he ran a 4-4. Four, four. I thought he was 4-3-1. Oh, he must be exactly. getting fat. Yeah. Oh, wait, did he not per- turn on the, uh, that route the way that I thought he would? Oh, I thought he was Jerry Rice. Yeah. It's so he can't do anything that's going to improve his stock. I would understand if he backs away and says, all right, I'm, I'm good. You want me, draft me. I think that sometimes you see that with quarterbacks. I don't know the reasons why Caleb Williams isn't throwing this week. Every quarterback has his own rationale. He's getting advice not to not to throw. Okay, okay. I think we overstate the significance of these events, I mean, and, and it, that's okay. You know, 
It's all part I, of it. I know, I know plenty of general managers who will tell you that if you could draft guys based on whether they work out or not, they would draft the guys that work out. But you can't. You can't ignore the guys that choose not to, that want to do it on their pro day or that, you know. You can't say, well, Marvin Harrison doesn't want to work out. I'm not drafting. You can't say that. You can't but do don't that. You agree? If you have an opportunity, you take them. We'll get to Big Z. I think there are two different criteria or, or approaches. First round can't miss guys, and then the rest of the draft. You need these workouts for your third and fourth round picks, the rank and file of the draft, if you will, to see what they do. But you're in a different position when it comes to the Marvin Harrison Juniors of the draft. No question about it. We'll we'll bring in Brad Biggs next. We'll talk to our guy. The Tribune football man, it's Mully and Hawn, the score. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medella is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medella, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Brand Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. With Molly and Haw. Biggs time. The Biggs Report. With Brand Biggs. Biggs time. Biggs. His name is Brand Biggs. Brand Biggs talks football with you. Mully at Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, Brad Biggs, the football man of the Chicago Tribune, a longtime contributor to the station and a valued friend. And now joining us on the Circa Resort Casino is Brad Biggs, CircaLasVegas.com. Big A. Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, uh, you are there, and uh, we're going to hear from the general manager. We'll hear from the head coach today. There will be a uh, unveiling of the quarterback plan. They will discuss it in detail and give you every thought they have, and and we can't wait to find all that information out. Yeah, I think they're going to put it all on the table today, guys. I think it's all <laughs> going to be out there. Um, uh, there will there will be very few questions remaining in a matter of hours. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be nice to just uh, know all that? Be all awesome, transparent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I could, I could, I could, uh, I could, instead of staying the week, I could be home this evening. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Brad, how much attention will be paid to Caleb Williams not working out or not throwing, and and how much do you think that will? affect the evaluation or the perception of him? I don't think it's a big deal at all. If you look at most of the top quarterbacks the last five plus years and they don't uh they they don't do the on field drills here, so that's gonna have zero 
impact on him uh, whatsoever. And and it's a, and it continues to kind of trend that direction for the elite guys. You know, you see, uh, apparently Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't going to do anything. Right. Like, he's just going to get like, I don't even think he's going to work out at the Ohio State Pro Day. Like, you, yeah. you want to know about Marvin Harrison Jr., put the tape on. And that, that's basically what he's saying. Uh, Malik Neighbors, I don't believe, is going to do the wide receiver stuff here or work out. The LSU. Take him. That could be a pretty quick path to losing your gig. Well, yeah. If, if you if you passed on Williams and he became an instant superstar in the league, um, not just because of uh, you know his his college performance, but if he if he was throwing up big time numbers in the league, if he um, had a rookie season somewhat along the lines of what C.J. Stroud just came off of with the Houston Texans. I don't know how the Bears would answer that. Like, look seriously. Like, what what would you say uh, in defense of uh, passing on the guy? Uh, so, yeah, I, it, the only way you could answer that is if they took another quarterback and they were getting high level play out of that guy. If if they if they took a Jaden Daniels or a JJ McCarthy or a Drake May, whoever. And and you looked at it and you said, man, they they got a guy, and they got this benefit of uh, trading out a one. Yeah, they don't have Caleb Williams, but look at this extra stuff that they have, and they're getting the the high level play from the quarterback that they selected. Yeah, don't you sense that there's going to be maybe a louder league consensus, maybe at the combine because it's such a national you know convention of NFL writers and executives. Don't you think, Brad, that people will conclude? Or speculate that the bigger risk in not doing that than there is in taking the big swing to see if Caleb Williams is going to be a bust or not. The real risk would be in passing up in this opportunity and seeing maybe he will flourish elsewhere. And you can't afford that if you're Ryan Poles. No, they like I've I've said for the longest time, even if even if they don't want Caleb like they have to come away from this draft with their top ranked quarterback and I'll explain why at the end of this evaluation process which is going to probably take them through the end of March maybe it might bleed into early April they've got to stack their board and let's just talk about a quarterback board right they've got to rank their quarterbacks one through however many you want to go six, seven, eight, four. It doesn't matter. They're going to rank their board. And then at some point when they've completed that process, one would imagine that Ryan Poles and a few other select people are going to have to present this information, this final decision to George McCaskey and Kevin Warren, right? And they're going to have to explain why, and they're probably going to have to answer a few questions along the way. And I'm sure George and Kevin will have questions throughout this process. But when they reach the finish line, they've got to basically give their report to the class, right? You give that report to the class, you let your owner and your team president know this is the guy at the top of our board. How in the world 
could you explain coming out of this draft without having your top-ranked quarterback? Like, Because if that top-ranked quarterback on your board somehow ends up on another roster and he's balling out, my goodness, good good luck explaining that one. <laughs> yeah, and and I you know, I got to tell you, I think that um it it is probably the most compelling story there, this idea of the Bears with the number 1 overall pick, the second straight year figuring out um how they're going to build their team and how they're going to yeah. take it. I mean, I I can't think of a different story. I mean, there are individual stories about players and that always uh be fun to check out but goodness gracious this is this is kind of um oh, the, bears un- are, the bears are the talk indianapolis yes. like yes. you know when i when i was when i was uh you know working the working the lobbies and hallways yesterday guys and even earlier this morning you know talked to a couple of gms yesterday and they're like, hey, what are they, what are they going to do you know what do you what are, what are you hearing you know that everybody is curious, and it, it, it'll have a domino effect, right? I mean, there, there's no shortage of teams in the quarterback market. This is a deep and talented group of quarterbacks. I think at the end of the week, you could have some buzz for a guy like Bo Nix, and I, and I'm not saying for the number one pick, but I'm saying as a guy in round one, potentially mm. Spencer Rattler, the South Carolina quarterback came out of the senior bowl with some real juice and momentum. So I'm just saying in general, you've got a talented group of quarterbacks. And, and so that's a huge storyline here, but it all starts with the bears, the number one pick and their unique situation at the quarterback position. As you work those hallways and as you talk to your people, and we've seen you do that before, Brad, and it's something to behold, but as you gather information, what is the perception of Ryan Poles and what role did last year's deal that he made with the Panthers serve in maybe creating some credibility that he brings into this offseason? Yeah, they, I, you know, I think, uh, I think people are impressed by that, right? That he's able to make a trade and and there's no way at the time polls thought there was much chance the pick he would be getting back would be number 1 overall they they thought this it would be a good pick right top 10 pick probably but it would have been foolish to think hey we we just made this move and we're going to be at the the top of the draft and so i i think people look at it now the way similarly to how others do that look they they've taken a roster they've they've overhauled it they had better pieces in place this past year they had a wide receiver in dj moore that they got in that deal who's a bona fide number one uh target they made some moves to upgrade uh the offensive line where they have some young players that are getting a little bit better so yeah i think uh i think that combined with the fact that they had some young players in that draft class that played pretty well you probably start that conversation with uh Tyreek Stevenson the cornerback Darnell Wright uh the right tackle so you know the belief is that they're making some moves to improve uh but they've got some ground to cover guys I mean they're still um getting mail delivered to them uh in the basement of the NFC North you know they've got to change their address (laughs) 
And that that is something worth remembering. I am curious, Brad. You know, obviously, we have the combine, we have the Bears on the clock, and that's all fascinating stuff. And if they're going to make a decision on Justin Fields, they're going to have to make a decision on whether or not to pick up that fifth year, and that's relatively soon. Um, I don't know. Does that impact the the, the trade of him if indeed – That's the case. And and when do they make that call? And that's the first domino to fall, I would imagine. Well, the the fifth-year option, the decision on that isn't due until after the draft. It's like May 2nd or 3rd is the deadline for uh, a decision on the fifth-year option for first-round picks from the 2021 draft class. So the Bears would have to make a decision on that after the draft if he remains on their roster. If the Bears were to trade him elsewhere before then, the contract that he has goes with him. So his new team would have that decision to make. Um, It's like $25 million fully guaranteed for uh, 2025 for Fields in, you know, I don't know where it would go for another team. I'd I'd be very, very surprised uh, if the Bears were to pick up a a $25 million option for the following season on fields. That's that's part of the decision, I believe, that will Mm -hmm. be made for them to draft their own quarterback and get to the beginning of that uh, contract cycle not be, uh, you know, you're going to be 80% through the contract at the end of this coming season with fields or 100% through it if the the option is declined. Quickly, Brad, is there any one prospect that you're looking more forward to seeing than the rest or anybody that intrigues you? Well, Roma Dunze, the Washington wide receiver, I believe he is going to work out and he's, he's firmly in that top three of what's a great group of wide receivers like terrific group of wide receivers i think he could easily be a top 10 pick um you know you 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 prefer the game film right and and he delivers there what 1500 yards this past season for the washington huskies but it'll be interesting to see what he does maybe interesting to see how he uh how he times um i'm kind of interested in getting to the offensive linemen that's toward uh, the end of the week, but um, all the focus right now is is on what Ryan Poles is going to say today. A little bit after after he talks, we'll hear from Matt Eberflus. It'll be interesting to see how they sort of reset things uh, because it's been a little while since we've heard from them. And and um, they've got a ton of money if they want to get yeah. involved, but everyone has a ton of money. Is it? Do you feel that they're more likely to maybe? I mean, they got to make, uh, they got to figure out uh, the the uh, Justin uh, situation. They've got to figure out whether uh, Jalen Johnson. Yeah, J- I'm sorry, Jalen Johnson situation. They got to figure out um, their draft moves. But where does free agency fit in? Do you expect them to get a center or a safety or a player? that might not be top of the line. In other words, while everyone needs a pass rusher, 
aren't you spending top dollar on that free agency, especially with everyone having salary cap space? Yeah, the, it's 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 real interesting because with the the cap getting a huge bump, everybody's going to be able to be involved to basically whatever degree they want. Maybe not every team, but the vast majority of them. And I look at positions. Well, if you if they want to buck up for a guy, maybe that center position, but it, but it just got more expensive, right? The price just went up, thirteen percent. Uh, rise in the cap, the agents are going to be pushing for a 14% uh, raise for these guys, right? So it will be interesting. Center, uh, free safety, tight end two. Uh, Maybe that wouldn't be splashy, but would be a guy that's going to get a lot of playing time. Uh, There's a number of different ways they could go. Maybe an edge rusher, but I, I just don't see them being in on some of those guys at the top of the market that would surprise me a little bit that you know they've they've sunk an awful lot of money into that position with with Montez Sweat and in an ideal world you've got a young guy opposite him and maybe that maybe that can happen maybe you can come out of the draft with a guy where you feel like hey we've got a we've got a pretty good player here that we think has a lot of room for growth great stuff Big Z have a fun day buddy thanks Brad enjoy yourself Thanks, guys. Have a great day. That is our guy, Brad Biggs, the football man from the Tribune. Big day today. Uh, A lot on the plate of the Bears down in Tampa. And it starts with with meeting with people. It starts with meeting with the quarterbacks. Every one of these guys you're going to have to sit down and talk to and make sure that you got – a pretty good feel about who they are and and uh, and how they put and where you're going to go and if they can throw a dart or not. I mean, I could draft somebody who's really good at darts. I, that, does that mean he's accurate in the pocket? If he hey. can throw a dart, he can throw a dart. What? <laughs> Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio, six seven of the score. Darts and, and putt putt. Darts, darts and putt putt. Okay. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. So, to-do list. Let's uh, let's put together a to-do list for the Chicago Bears at uh, the Combine in Indy. And they'll be there through the weekend. Uh, but just as you go over what they got to get done, I mean, there's a massive list of stuff they have to do. Is it? I think the what makes it massive... I think in terms of perception is that it's such a significant thing. The The main reason, to the highest priority, I think the number one thing on the to-do list to okay. me is create or discover what the market is for Justin Fields. Really? Yes. I would not think that's number one. What's number one to you? Number one to me is to to sit down and interview these quarterbacks. And it's not one guy. I think that if there are four quarterbacks going in the top 10, you better have a sit down and a long, deep and meaningful conversation with each one. They have not had an opportunity to sit down. These guys weren't at the at the senior bowl. They haven't had a, a you know, an approved sit down with these guys to get to know them a little bit, and it's a process you got to go through, and this is the first interview, job interview you're going to do 
with Caleb Williams, with, you know, Jaden Daniels, with, I guess, Drake May, with J.J. Sure. J. McCart, whoever you All the you guys at the top of the about. list. Yeah. I think those are first impressions. I think, I think they're first important first matter. impressions. They do matter. They do matter. You can do more harm than good, I think. Fair I enough. I think if you are a quarterback prospect going into a meeting like this, you don't want to do anything that's going to leave a negative impression. You can only do something to maybe positive or neutral. It's such a condensed period of time. They're not but, having dinner with the guys. No, no, no. But but this is your first impression of these guys. This is your first chance. Hey, we're the Bears. This is what we got going. Mm-hmm. What do you think of us? And have you studied 40s football championships for, <laughs> for My, 500, Alex? I, I think that's a good point, but I think it's probably even more valuable for other guys who are not going to – the non-quarterbacks. Because I think those are the guys that you are – going to have less time to invest after this oh, process. Yeah, by the way, they have the number 9 pick. Yeah. which could be one of these big time receivers, which could be an offensive tackle who falls if four quarterbacks mm-hmm. are taken, which could be the first defensive player off the board. So I I'm just saying, I think that the you're there for the scouting combine, you're there to get all the medical information and to do these interviews, that's as important as anything that you're going to do. Equally important is you got to meet and you got to chat with every single team that might have an interest in trading with you, be it for your pick yes. or for your quarterback. I agree. See, I, that, that's the only thing. You asked me my opinion. That That is my that's opinion. That's number one to you? I think that's more important okay. than anything else because – that's where this offseason, if you want Preliminary to Preliminary contact in terms of, you know, they've had these conversations. People have come up to them, hey, we're interested it's in informal, this. It's informal, though, and it's kind Very of informal. exploratory. And that's what this is, too. Frankly. It kind of is, but you can strike the parameter. You can form the parameters of a deal. Yes. Yes, you can. You can structure a trade at the combine, go home, and say, all right, let's get back together. And before the league year starts, let's execute this. Let's do this, and let's throw in, you know, your best pe- edge rusher <laughs> or whatever, or let's throw in a, a second ne- next year. You need to you need to further your conversations about your internal free agents, mm-hmm. specifically Jalen Johnson. So you're going to have to make a decision in a week of whether you're going to tag him or not. You would like to know what the parameters are for that contract before you do that. You would definitely want to know that, and I think that, to me, would be the third priority. I would go list of priorities, to-do list, establish a market for Justin Fields, meet the top quarterbacks, and make a first impression both ways and get your first impression of them, and then let's figure out what we're going to do with Jalen Johnson. If we can get this done sooner rather than later, let's let's sign a contract. Yeah, so I'm going to say, I'm going to say number one, is is to meet with all these quarterbacks because you're going to have a decision to make. Uh, you know, one A or you know is to establish your trade understanding with other teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you also are going to have to. I, I think that you know you can put off the internal free agent discussion to for a few more days. I don't mm-hmm. think that has to happen today or tomorrow or whatever. Um and then I I would say meanwhile, you're at the scouting combine and you've got to put a team together 
and you've got a list of guys on your board that you're interested in. You need to talk to them. You need to talk to their people. You need to figure out where they're going to be and how they're going to go. And you got to have all your scouts there monitoring every guy and how he measures and what he runs and all that. That information could be available to you, but you need to operate with an understanding of that because you're putting a draft board together, albeit with the quarterback at the top of it. Let me add a quick one for Matt Eberflus. Meet with his stylist. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. He's got to meet with Gunter. Now you're, now you're just trolling, David. Gunter of Indiana. I didn't think I didn't think we'd ever get to the point that you would be the one trolling. If you're, I'm trolling if, you. If you're going to put together a style, you should do it in Indy, not, yes. in, not in Chicago right. or New York or okay. L.A. Get fashion, down to Indy. Fashion capital of the Midwest. That's right. Maybe there you go. guys should have gone down there and brought him some flag and anthem gear. Huh? Hey. I, I, I think Christian McCaffrey's doing it's that. It's only Tuesday. Hippie cowboy. Hippie cowboy. That's right. 312-644-6767. We need to talk about this a little bit. I'm I'm having too much fun at the idea of it. I, I don't think I care about how Flucy looks. But maybe we'll see him and he look more dashing than ever. Molly and Haw on the score. I did think Justin got better. I think he can lead this team. Um, but at the same time, there's a unique situation where I have to look and our staff has to look at everything. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Oh, boy. They got to look at all of it and they got to talk to everyone. And uh, there's a lot of work to get done a lot this of work. week. A lot of preliminary talks about Busy trades. Week. A lot of, yes. Busy week. They got to. Put a unified front out there, believing in Justin Fields as they get ready to trade him. They've got to do the research on all the prospects, starting with the quarterbacks. And they've got to get something done for Jalen Johnson, ideally. I want to ask you this. We had a really interesting conversation during the break. Dustin does have some really strong ideas and opinions. And I think that this was I – th- I didn't think about it this way, but I, I wonder this. and I, Tell me if this is over the top. When you talk about the chemistry of the team and the reaction of the players and DJ Moore supports Justin Fields and who else? Everyone loves Justin Fields, right? Yes. To me, it's almost like in that locker room, in the Bears locker room, the way the defense is kind of the strength of this team, I think losing Jalen Johnson would be almost more damaging to that locker room than losing Justin Fields. (laughs) Or it would – I think that there would be almost like – and because of the potential well, replacement, I think, yes, I th- the alternative. Yes, that's interesting. Because I think Caleb Williams is going to step in and going to be right. a performer that's going to win over everybody because, right. you know what, oh, my God, the kid can throw. He's oh, the, my God, he's great. Yeah, he's the most decorated player coming out of the draft if he's the number one overall pick. Jalen Johnson is a player that you drafted. He he earned respect because he backed up his big talk last year. And now if he isn't here – for whatever reason, I think they're going to get it done. But I think if they didn't, they would be running that risk, Molly, because that defense, chemistry matters. Um, okay, so the message to the locker room, if you get rid of Justin Fields, is we want to be better throwing the football. We want to be a better passing offense in the NFL, and we're going to be a better Passing offense. That's Bingo. That is what you're saying. We're, we want to win a championship because of you, because of him, because of that. 
the message that you send the locker room if you don't bring back Jalen Johnson is doesn't matter how much you improve. We want to go on the cheap. We're looking for guys. We, we're not going to pay you. And if you get too big for your britches, we're going to ship you out of That's here. harder to overcome to me. Yeah. I think that's harder to overcome. It's a stigma. It's a rep. It's a, it's a feeling and a vibe that really, when you're talking about defensive football, those things matter. A defensive mentality. Who do you believe in? Who has ascended? Who's made himself into an all-pro cornerback? Right, right. And then you're going to say, well, you know what? We're not, we're not rewarding that. We're telling every defensive player we're not going to reward that and bring back somebody who makes us special. Yeah, that's the wrong message to send. They the really wrong message. They, here's the other problem. The other problem is that not only did they come into the offseason with like $60 million, but it just got raised by 20. Like they've got enough money to easily absorb paying the guy what he has earned over the last year plus of his career. When the cap goes up to $255 million. And you're asking arguing, for yeah. Asking for $20 million a year for a cornerback who is one of the top five in football, according to metrics that his agent can present or his representation can present to the Bears, yeah. it doesn't seem as big of an ask when you're talking about where the salary cap is and the fact that you have, as everybody knows, who's following the Bears this offseason – $80 million in cap space. Goodness sakes. 312-644-6767. Let's try Jerry. He's on the southwest side. Hey, Jerry. Hello, boys. How are you guys doing Good. today? Um, hey, I wanted to talk to you about lazy comparisons, okay, which is a term David used, and I think you used it to land-based another journalist to make these lazy comparisons, right? So my assumption is, David, specifically, right, you, you don't like when people do that? Is that fair to say? Or? I know you're coming back at me with one that I probably oh, I made, but yes. I am coming back at you. Let's yes. get at it. Let's get at it. Okay. So let's be clear on this. Trading the number one pick is comparable to trading Joe Burrow, all right? That's what you said five minutes before I, I did say that. someone else. I did say that. Comparison. How's that lazy? And Joe, that is a very ridiculous Joe, comment. Right, Joe David? Burrow was a number one pick is the point. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, okay. No, no. What, <laughs> why is it, what's what wrong it, with that logic? Because one's proven, one's not. There's been about half the number one picks that have been quarterbacks that failed. And you know these things. And you, you say stupid things on the air like that. You don't say it a lot, but that was a really no, dumb well, comment. You just called me Maybe. stupid. I don't call you stupid. I call. I respect your opinion. We disagree. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Stupid. Please. I, look, uh, fine. Kiss. Joe Burrow, like an acronym. Uh, you, you want to come back and say, essentially, that maybe you wouldn't say make the same argument for Bryce Young, who was a bust so far. After one year. Yeah, I'm not going to use that example because I think that when you're evaluating this potential in Caleb Williams, you're seeing Joe Burrow. You're seeing C.J. Stroud. You're seeing the kinds of things that happen when things go right and you are correct in your assessment and you draft one overall. They, they wouldn't give those guys up for any draft haul. If that is lazy, so be it. I'm the laziest guy in the building. I will be lazy, and I will lazily tell you that Caleb Williams is worth the effort and the risk. Oh, I just need a nap now. I feel so lazy. <sighs> See, now, if like I think you're – it might be better if you just <laughs> – instead of being lazy, if you were more French, you know. Let's uh, fair. And, you, and your ennui had taken over. Like, I am bored. I am so bored. 
I thought you were going to get on me for like being laissez-faire and not oh, and being hands faire. off. Yeah. I will not have an opinion. No, no, no. I think okay. it's more just like, you know, you're tormented by life and overwhelmed <laughs> by the, 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 the darkness which sometimes comes upon you. <laughs> Let's try Larry. Larry's in Oak Lawn. Hi, Larry. Hi, good morning. I just got a short wish list. Um, trade one, trade field. Sign Cousins, draft a quarterback, move to Naperville. <laughs> I like it. I like he knows what he wants. That's an interesting number two, though. Trade field, sign Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Eh. I don't think I would do that. Well, no, you would But I, 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 I admire Kirk his Cousins. ingenuity. That's not lazy. Kirk, how old is Kirk Cousins? 35. I mean, yeah, you, I mean, you, don't you want to go get a quarterback? You see his video, though? Looked and, really good throwing on a tennis court. Okay. Don't you want to restart the quarterback <laughs> yes, yes. contract deal? Do you want to – I did. how much you paying? I didn't say it was a good idea. It was creative. No, it, the move to Naperville was funny. <laughs> that was funny. But um, hey, the, Naperville yeah. might still be in play. Is out there by the Top Golf? Isn't that where they're going? Marty is in the Western Suburbs. Hey, Marty. Hey, Marty. <laughs> Good morning, gentlemen. Yes, morning. sir. Um, real quick, you know, uh, uh, every high school team out there has one or two, three A players. When you get to college, the majority of the players that you're playing with are A B players. When you get to the pros, you're all A. They, I mean, sure. they're all A players. Yeah. So I'm a firm believer the devil you have may not be as bad as the devil you're looking at. At least from my standpoint, whatever experience you want to call it, good, bad, had a half a team, had a bad team, has now he's got uh, Montez Sweat and he's got DJ Moore. We need a few more A players to put around him, I like the fact that he's got four years' experience. Caleb can trip on his way into the door and break something. Mm-hmm. At least at least the way I look at it, good or bad, you know, Fields at least brings 38 games of experience. I think we have to be respectful Larry, of the fact. Is that the good that. news or the bad news? Well, that that's the problem, Larry. I mean, it, you're three years in and you don't know what you have. <laughs> that's what you're saying. So, not and, all and not all know, experience is good experience. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I agree with that. I think the problem is, again, the wow plays are wow, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is not good enough. Brutally honest. Let's try Henry. He's in Rockford. Hey, Henry. How you doing? Hey, Henry. Good. Hey, all right. Now, you guys, I, you know, I can appreciate you guys in your Caleb Williams favor, but she's not being fair to Justin Fields because look at Steve Young. Look at Troy Aikman. Look at Aaron Rodgers. Look at Terry Bradshaw. Look at all the quarterbacks that have had three, four, five. Steve Young, eight years before he got to the 49ers. What did he do? Yeah, but, but, threw, but think about one, what you're two? saying. Think about what you're saying about Steve Young, he had to go to the 49ers. You see what I'm saying? Steve Started Young, with the Bucks. Did, it didn't work out with the Bucks. First team didn't work it out. It fell apart, and then he wound up behind Joe Montana in mm-hmm. one of the great passing offenses, and then obviously you know, won the Super Bowl himself. Rodgers sat three years. Rodgers didn't do anything. 
Didn't do anything. You know, I, I just I don't know that. I'm, These are also Hall of Fame quarterbacks yeah, to which I, Justin Fields is being compared. Have you seen a Hall of Fame career in the making in the first three seasons that Justin Fields has been a Bear uniform? Legit question. The answer is no. I, listen, I never saw. I never saw. Uh, what's his name? The, the great Bears quarterback, Sid Luckman. I never saw him play. I don't know anything about him. I never saw them thrill the nation with the T formation. I, I, you know, I know that he was an undersized guy. He was a running back, and they moved him to quarterback. That's the guy that holds a lot of the passing mm-hmm. records. I, you know, I saw Jay Cutler come into town, and and he was a talented thrower of the football. He was also, you know, not the greatest dude I've ever seen. The intangibles weren't there. He threw picks galore. He didn't care about protecting the football. You know, was he an NFL caliber quarterback? Yeah. Yeah, when he was 17 years old. No he could question. throw like an NFL quarterback yes. when he's a teenager. But, but needs more than know, an arm. It's there's needs more than legs. You need more than all of that. Look, Justin Fields will be a starting quarterback in the NFL next year. I think mm-hmm. we can probably agree on that. Most likely. It's just that the Bears can they're in a position to upgrade the most important position in sports. And if they can do that, they will. And they should. That's our opinion. Anthony's on the Odyssey app. Hey, buddy. How are you this morning? How's it going today? Good. Hey, Good morning. Hey, one Craig. of the things I just wanted to get your thoughts on. So a lot of the talk, um, you know, for the benefit of taking Williams and moving on from fields is resetting the quarterback clock. And I guess – one of the things I've been thinking about is, you know, what you hear some of the national analysts saying, well, he may command 60 million. I guess my point is if, if let's say the bears keep fields, we go to the playoffs next year. We even go to the NFC championship. Let's be super hopeful, right? How I, I don't see where the justification is when you have Josh Allen getting 43 a year, Jared Goff getting mid thirties, that fields is going to somehow command some, you know, extreme quarterback contract that would offset, you know, if you did trade back, you know, the players that you would have under rookie contracts at other positions, whether it's a wide receiver and a defensive tackle and an offense alignment. So I guess the comparison of resetting the contract for the quarterback versus having three rookie contracts for what could potentially be three picks in the top 15. You're, you're onto that point i mean that's a that's a big consideration that sometimes gets overlooked but there are finance there's a financial component to this argument that can be very persuasive and if you want to put justin fields in the category of those quarterbacks that you mentioned you know, he's got to produce like josh allen he's got to produce like lamar jackson and i just don't think he's ready to do that yet and you're not willing to to pay that yet or invest that hope and money in that quarterback Let's try Bill. He's downstate. Hi, Bill. Hey, fellas. Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I hope you guys are doing well. Um, so, obviously, the whole thing right now is the whole Caleb Williams and Fields, and I can tell by your guys' tone, you guys are getting a little exhausted on these type of answers and questions. So, I'll keep it simple. Um, hey, just on Caleb Williams, I mean, that, what, what, what makes this guy so special? I mean, like, you know, they're calling him a generational quarterback. I mean, mm-hmm. What happens if in two, three years he's just a bust? I mean, is this like, you know, for us, like, oh, another big loss. You know, let's do this again. Then they're wrong. There's no guarantee in sports. You just play your hunches. You trust your evaluation. You form your opinions, and you go with it, and you go all in. 
Caleb Williams' evaluation, he's incredibly accurate. He throws, uh, he excels at off off script plays. He can, he has great vision and he has anticipatory skills that, frankly, are rare. So he can put the ball where it needs to be, and he can bring you back from a ten point deficit in the fourth quarter. T- intangibles on the field, off the charts. Off the field, you got to find out. Phil's in McHenry. Hey, Phil. Hey, hey guys. How you doing? Good, Good. morning to you. I love the, love the show. Bless. Hey, I've been listening. I've been listening to over and over and over every morning. I've been following this thing with Justin, Justin, you know, with Justin Fields and Ken Williams. And I got to tell you, I'm an Ohio State guy. I was for Justin Fields coming here. I was excited about him. But he's not the he's not the guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not a fourth quarter. He's not a fourth quarter guy. That's the first thing. But the big thing is, you pass up on Kevin Williams and the rest of the crew. It's his top class that they have in quarterbacks. He's going to demand a big contract. I'm talking about Justin Fields. He's going to get he's going to ask for fifty million dollars a year. The Bears are going to pay him that. Yeah, then, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't pay him twenty five. I, 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 I would. I would not. I wouldn't pick up the fifth year option. I, I'm just being honest. <laughs> And and I think that, that that's one of the things you got to consider. You know the, you know what, I mean. You know it sounds like talking about this. We're in QB hell, just talking about it. But this is an unbelievable opportunity. It's this not is, hell. This is a way no. out of. Those it. are the pearly gates. This is you're entering football heaven. This is a way again yes. out of that. Right. And, and and that's what I'm saying is that if you are gonna. If you're going to not take the intrinsic evidence that you have as to as to you know what's happened, and then you're going to move forward and try to like lowball fields, you know Daniel Jones style, whatever way you want to. You don't want it, that contract. Then you're in serious you, trouble. You don't want that burden. No, that's an albatross. That's a bad deal on the Giants. You yes. don't want to be in that position, and this allows you, you to don't want to avoid pretend that. The guy's the guy if he's not. The Stop guy. fooling yourself. That's it. Grasp the obvious. You are in a good situation. You can be in a better one. Justin Fields can win you the division. Maybe Caleb Williams can win you a Super Bowl. It's good or better. That's the choice here. All right. We're going to head to the desert and bring in uh, Taylor McGregor, and we're going to talk about about some good news. Uh, Cody Bellinger back with the Cubs. Will we hear from him today? And if so, is he pleased with his new short-term deal? Wouldn't it be odd to see Cody Bellinger in a bad mood? Have we ever seen that? Uh, no, we've seen him. We've seen the best of him. We have. Will we see the regression of him? <laughs> Let's hope And not. both his mood and his play. We'll ask that of Taylor next. Mully and Hall on the score. We kind of always felt like that in a way, but yeah, Belly was a unique situation. So he's, he's part of this club, you know, he's one of us and it, there was a little void in here for sure before he came back. So just seeing him in here, man, getting a hug, smiling. I know he'll be back to work soon, but yeah, just seeing his body, seeing his face in here was just amazing. Molly and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. That's the professor, and he knows things, and, uh, and he knows it's a good deal that the Chicago Cubs have uh, Cody Bellinger back in the fold and now joining us. On the Circus Sports Illinois hotline is Taylor McGregor of the Marquee Network. Download the Circus Sports app today. Taylor, good morning. How are you? Guys, good morning. Happy baseball season. It's uh, always good to be on with you, so I'm excited to hear your voices. Well, we're pumped up about Cody Bellinger. It was the kind of thing 
that really had to happen, right? I mean, I don't. Th- I think as much as you appreciate, uh, you know, the the hiring of a manager, they got a a nice bullpen piece in here. They got a an international pitcher. If you don't get Bellinger back, there you're left to wonder whether the talent level is as good as it was a year ago. So it it just from that standpoint, if no other. I think a lot of Cub fans are thrilled with this. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you look at what the team did a year ago, third in the National League and runs per game, and a big part of that was Cody Bellinger. And I want to point directly to his left-handed bat because Mm. without a lefty in the heart of the order, it was a little scary to face all the righties in the division. So that's huge. Um, His defense is huge and there's so many other things that I could go down the list about but yeah you you needed a guy like this back and so all the credit to Jen Carter for making that happen. Taylor is it your sense that Cody Bellinger's position will depend or could depend on how comfortable they feel with Pete Crow Armstrong in center field or Michael Bush at first base and it lessens the pressure on either rookie to come through because maybe Bush looks better and so Bellinger can play center field, or maybe if PCA looks like he's hitting, then maybe Bellinger is at first base if, if Michael Bush isn't coming through. What is your sense of how this will be handled by Craig Council? I think the ability to make an option depending upon the day and who the starting pitcher is. Um, it creates versatility in the lineup. There's no question about it. Um, Cody could, in my opinion, be a gold glove winner at both center field and first base. And then depending upon matchups, I think you can use both of those guys. So we'll see the way that they construct a lineup, too, because you can't forget about a guy like Mike Talkman who could play out there, and, and maybe they decide to go with him over PCA and send PCA to AAA. So I don't know. I think there's a uh, still a lot of time left in spring to decide the direction. And um, also I want to point out that throughout the year you're going to see all of these guys. So it's, I don't believe it's going to be a situation where it's like, okay, they make a decision come opening day and that's it. Like you're going to see all of these guys be utilized. I think it's just everybody wants to know what's going to happen immediately. Yeah. I, you know, I think that it's, it's really interesting to consider the Pete Crow Armstrong. I don't know if it's a dilemma or if it's an issue, but the question is simple. Uh, you know, do you want him getting more at bats and would it behoove him to do that in Iowa or is he such a good defensive uh, replacement type that he can get some at bats, he can fill in even for Bellinger if you move Bellinger to first for his as a defensive replacement at first base. Would that make them a better team? Or are you more concerned about the long-term future of of PCA? Well, I think a lot of it depends on how this spring goes for Pete. Um, Obviously, the offense has to improve. We saw him go hitless, you know, in his small sample size of the big leagues last season. Made some swing adjustments, focused a lot on kind of just being more athletic in the box coming into this season. So we'll see how it plays out over the next couple weeks. But I'm not even sure that the Cubs know at this point. I think a lot of it is to be determined and figuring out how he's playing and where they feel like his swing is um, come the end of spring. So uh, the good news is there's options and there's versatility. And so you can never be mad if you're the front office about that. So Taylor, everyone talks about Cody Bellinger in the same way about how he fits in perfectly in the clubhouse. We heard Kyle Hendricks about how great it was to see him. And he seems to be one of these guys 
that you want to have at every party. You know, there's always one of those guys that mixes so well because either he's got the sense of humor or he's just laid back. What is it, based on your experience of being around this team last year, what is it about Cody Bellinger that makes him so so easy to get along with and so valuable in that clubhouse? Well, first of all, are you the guy that everybody wants to the party? Because no. I feel like you are. So. I don't know. I don't it. think so. <laughs> I was called lazy this morning, so I doubt it, Taylor. <laughs> Well, you know, you're right. Uh, he is a guy who's easy to be around. And I think over the course of 162 games, it's important to have different personalities in the clubhouse. And we have some guys in this clubhouse who are intense, and you need to balance that out with guys who are a little bit more laid back. And I would say Cody is kind of one of those guys who he comes in, gets his work in, but he's the same guy every day, and I would describe him as a little bit more laid back. However, I do want to point out, I remember having a conversation with Anthony Swanson last year and he said to me he was like you know when belly came here you kind of had this outside perspective of who you think he is and he goes he got into the clubhouse and him and i are so much more alike than i anticipated so i think he's a he's a baseball junkie him and dansby get along great and i just think this signing galvanizes a team um you heard dansby swanson talk about it the other day when when this kind of came out and he said, we give all the credit to Jen Carter for making this happen. So his presence is important, but just the fact that the front office is making moves like this um, is, is really exciting for the team. I'm, uh, I'm very curious when you think about Michael Bush and him as the uh, starting first baseman, what have you seen from him? Um, I guess Patrick wisdom, is going to be behind him. Obviously, you know, Bellinger can, can play that spot too. But I, I just, I, you know, there's so many kind of new faces that you're relying upon. Michael Bush, they made the trade with the Dodgers and, uh, and cleared up a spot for him. Um, and, and it looks like Matt Mervis might be um, kind of lost in the mix here a little bit, but what, what has Bush done thus far? And what do you think of what you've seen? Yeah. So just started in his uh, cactus league career, so to speak (laughs) yesterday. So (laughs) relatively new, I haven't spent a ton of time around him yet, but I think the thing that jumped off the page to me was the fact left-handed bat. Um, Mm. Like I said, I was looking at our lineup thinking, how are we going to hit righties? So I think um, it's important to have that versatility in there defensively. And I think there's a lot of excitement. Obviously, the Cubs have a great scouting system in place. And so what they saw out of him was intriguing. And for them to make the move, um, clearly they believe something is there. I did think it was interesting. Carter Hawkins was on our air the other day, and he basically said it's Matt Bush's job to lose uh, um, without you know, saying directly, but kind of mentioned that was why they brought him in. So I do think. He he's an interesting an interesting guy. I actually, you know, I'm saying this. This is before they signed Cody Bellinger, so now that changes things. But I do think they believe that he's a big part of this organization, and um, we'll kind of see how it all plays out. They start the off season by poaching Craig Council from Milwaukee and making him the highest paid manager in baseball, raising expectations. They finish the off season by bringing back Cody Bellinger to a team that won 83 games, and now Taylor, I think that the Cubs can legitimately look at this season and be the front runners in the NL Central. They'll be picked by many people. Maybe there'll be others picking the Cardinals. How do you think Craig Council will embrace this? How will he address this? Because now, belly's back and expectations have been risen, so I think I wonder, how does he feel about all that? 
Well, I'm sure he loves it. Everybody wants to win, and um, everybody, in an essence, wants pressure. And I think that's part of why he chose to come to Chicago. There's pressure in this market. And um, I think that's really exciting for him. And I think he kind of mentioned in a press conference, like if you don't feel those butterflies and, and those nerves, then you're probably you're not doing the right thing. So I think there's an element of him that gets that. That's really exciting. And um, the expectations, the high expectations are good. Um, I think the NL Central is a very interesting division. I really think any team could win it, um, even down to the Pirates. I know some people are leaving the Pirates kind of out of the conversation. I even think they could be in the mix. So I think it could be really five teams who are really battling for this division all season long. Um, I think the Cubs' hopes are you bring essentially the same group back this year. You hope that some of the veteran players maybe have better years. You're counting on some of the young guys to come up and really make an impact. And then, then, you know, obviously they hope that they're at the top of the NL Central. So I'm getting excited just thinking about it. It's going to be a really fun year. With with Christopher Morrell, um, at, you know, getting the first opportunity at third base, and, and it seems like they're doing a good job of, uh, of getting him up and running there. And who do, what does that mean for the DH position? Do you think this team will be using – uh, the DH in a variety of ways. Do you think there's a particular guy that will DH more than others? What uh, what does Morrell kind of moving out of that spot mean to this lineup? Well, I think it was really important to not pigeonhole Christopher Morrell as a young player into that DH role. They right. want to get him a place defensively. They want to find him a position. And so obviously the talk has been at third base and getting him reps over there. And hopefully that is his home. Um, I don't believe that right now there's one guy you look and say, that's going to be our DH every day. And I think that's very good. You don't want to pigeonhole a guy and you want to be able to give different guys breaks from playing defense and, and kind of mix things up. So I think that is healthy for the team. Um, going back to our conversation about, about Michael Bush, like maybe he's a, a fit in, in that role to mix in with Cody Bellinger and Mike Talkman. I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here, but mm. I think there's a lot of versatility when it comes to that DH position, which is. Did we lose Taylor. We lost Taylor. Oh no. Yeah. Did you get, am I here oh, still? Oh, back. you are. No. You are. Oh, no. Sorry. Okay. You dropped We're that not, for a I'm, second. That's okay. Sorry. I'm driving to the facility, so um, maybe I just didn't have anything that great to say, and it just cut off. Um, <laughs> no, you, always good stuff, Taylor. We'll leave you with this one. Question, what should I make, what should we make of Brennan Davis and a strong start to spring training that he's had? Because he's a guy who has had injuries, but at one point in time, he was the Cubs' top prospect. Yeah, I think what you can make out of him is when he's healthy, he's a really good player, and the reality is he just has not been healthy. So, I, I think they still want to see that he can stay healthy and um, kind of figure out where he fits. But a healthy Brennan Davis is really, really good for the Cubs organization. Great stuff, Taylor. Thanks for uh, thanks for checking in with us. We really appreciate you. Thanks, time. Taylor. Great to talk to you. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a good one. That is Taylor McGregor from the Marquee Network. I, I'm willing to say right now that Hector Neris is going to be the most important player on the Cubs. I love that. Moving forward. I think here. if he is, then that's a good thing. Well, that means they're going to win a it lot of games. It means they're in a lot of close games. Yes. High leverage situations. Yes. And he's going to be the guy that either closes it out or sets up Alzali. Or, or 
or he's going to be the high leverage guy whenever the manager deems it's high leverage. Right. Or it could come in the sixth inning. You're right, That's with the bases saying. loaded. Yeah. I like that pick. Yep. I, I have a question about the Cubs. Really Can we important. talk about this some more? I have a question Please. that came up over the weekend that has bothered me that I want to see what you think of. Excellent. 312-644-6767. Mully and Hahn, the score. Any lineup, you know, you put Bellinger in the way he uh, was swinging the bat last year, it makes him better, but uh, this team definitely lengthens that lineup. He gives you um, a bona fide middle-of-the-order threat, uh, super athlete, really great base runner as well. Uh, last year, though, he, he turned himself into a hitter, though. I loved his, his two-strike approach, his, his ability to make more contact, go the other way when he needed to. His situational hitting was, was uh, fantastic, and it, it wasn't at a lack of, for any power either. He still hit his, his fair share of home runs uh, and extra base hits. So this is a, obviously a good move for both and puts the Cubs in a position to really do some damage in that central. That is the voice of Alex Avila on the MLB Network um, Interesting. saying that the Cubs are in a position to, to do some damage. It's Mully and Hahn, the score. You know what's interesting, too, is that yeah. the different opinions. I, I want to get to the question, but Jonathan India from the Reds mm, sure. had a similar take, maybe different than in Chicago, but looking at the Cody Bellinger return to the Cubs, and he told the Cincinnati Inquirer, I think we still beat them. He's an unbelievable player. He's an MVP. It definitely helps them, but it is what it is. It's the same team from last year. <laughs> well, mm, interesting. Yeah, nice little interesting. Uh, Reds fodder for that division, which will be very good. I don't know if I'm with Taylor McGregor where all the teams in it have a chance to win it, but I do think it will be a little deeper than it was a year ago. The Reds being an example, maybe the Pirates. Certainly the Cardinals are better. So you're in a division, Mully. Yes. That I think you can win now. Legitimately say that you can win because of Bellinger. But I think that if you're looking at it, Jed Hoyer won the stare down with Scott Boris. I think Jed Hoyer played it right. Tom Ricketts did his part. I'm a little surprised that there's not the expectation that Cody Bellinger's signing will lead to another signing. Or that they, oh, no, the no. suggestion that maybe they're done now. No, the suggestion is they are done. That's are they? it. That's what they're saying. Should they be? No. They should try to get Matt Chapman. Why okay. not? I mean, listen. I, I like Christopher Morell as much as anyone, but I don't know that he's a third baseman. I, I don't know. You know, there, there are, you know, there's footwork stuff you got to get right, and then you got to be able to throw from third to first. And that kind of stuff is, I guess we take it for granted. The guy's played second. Surely he could play third. The guy has uh, been in the outfield. These are all different throws, though, if you think about mm -hmm. it. I just don't know. It's a fair, I, I, it's a fair I, comment. I, I it's a fair concern. I wonder where it, this is at. And, and I, you know, Patrick Wisdom, what is his role on this team? Is he, is he a backup first baseman, a backup third baseman, maybe a DH? What is he? Christopher Morrell? No. I'm talking about Wisdom. Wisdom? Wisdom is not. A big Would part you, of this team, I don't think. Him? Could you I don't know if you can get anything for him. Right. I don't think that okay. he's a big part of this. I, I, I was focused on on Morrell and what his role is, and I think he's got to be in the lineup on a regular basis. Craig Council putting him at third mm. base is interesting because I think out of necessity more than anything. Matt Chapman 
on a short-term deal would make sense. The, the salary cap in baseball is, is a competitive balance tax, the CBT. Yes. And it is at $237 million. That's the first threshold. The Cubs are still total active payroll, according to SpotRack, is $223 million. Theoretically, you can yes. come closer to that ceiling than you are right now and improve your team to the point where you remove some of the doubt that you expressed. Chapman on a short-term deal? You would think you'd be able to get something like that done. Why are they done? I don't know. I, I think Bruce was adamant. Because they said they were. Because <laughs> there was. that's why. No, I, I mean, let me ask something. So – what, what are you waving at? They're under the tax threshold as well. Yeah, they're under the yeah. tax I'm threshold. I'm saying that's one other reason, a part of why they might be but done. What right. he's saying is they have more room under the tax threshold. I don't know that you have enough room if you get Matt Chapman. But you get Matt Chapman, all of a sudden, you might have the best infield in all of baseball. Well, that, you're also, you yeah. know, yeah. Matt Shaw is then blocked if if you get. For now. Well, the I'm H. just saying this is one of the things that you hear from people when you talk about it. I know. I think they could find a way to live with that problem. It would be a luxury you can afford if you can find a way to maybe fit under the CBT. I get it. You don't want to go over. But I just wonder, Garrett Cooper signing a minor league contract doesn't necessarily do it for me. He could be your DH. Maybe. Loved him in high noon. Yeah. Great actor. Great actor. But I just don't Garrett. know. Oh, I'm sorry. Garrett Cooper. Uh, yeah, but Gary. Um. <laughs> Do not forsake me, oh my darling. <laughs> I don't know. Great, I don't want to. Great be, movie song. I don't want to be too picky. I'm I thrilled knew. that Belly is back. I'm thrilled that we're bellying up to the bar and his belly is half full or whatever Scott Boris said. I love the fact that they won that one, and I love the fact that he gives them such roster flexibility. We're now going to see Craig Council at his best. I think now when you get Bellinger back, though, you get a little greedy, and you're like, all right. Of course. Add some more. Yeah. You need another bat. I get Blake Snell. Oh, wow. Wouldn't that help you? Wouldn't that be interesting? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't he be good here? <sighs> well, he'd Playing be good anywhere. Playing the role of, uh, of, uh, of the Stroh show? Well, that's Imanaga's role. I, Imanaga. It's showtime. Calm down, buddy. Showta time. Showta. It's showtime. I'm from Missouri. You got a show to me. <laughs> well, I think he's going to show to you. You don't like him? Um, I, You're skeptical? Yes. Why? Uh, just because that's me. I like the sweep in his breaking pitch. I think it. I, I think that it's. I think he's a little bit of a gimmick, and, and he may work out. But I'm waiting for Ben Brown. Okay. Right? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for Kate Horton. Kate Horton. There you go. And I'm looking forward to Jordan Wicks. Horton, here's a who. <laughs> Jordan Wicks is going to be. On fire. You know, we were having a good chuckle about uh, Jordan Wicks. Uh, I believe it was uh, Martin Maldonado who sent a screaming slow roller uh, at Jordan Wicks who fumbled the ball. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. it revealed that Maldonado had Mm -hmm. barely jogged out of the box. Mm -hmm. And then Wicks realizes, I can get this guy. And then he had to bobble the ball again <laughs> to ensure the guy got to first uh, base. But he ended up apologizing to the team I heard, for his I saw. B-A-D, be a dead arse, run to first base. Because it wasn't F-A-S-T. It was bad. It wasn't F-A-S-T. Be a dead arse. I guess the word of the day is fast. No, it's not, Pedro. Not it's lazy.
Yes. Let's talk about the White Sox. Thanks for bringing them up. Oh, no. God bless you. I have some thoughts. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. First of all, if there's a race between you and Maldonado, I'm betting on you. I start out really reluctant. And unless a case is made that the long-term, that the investment yields a long-term return for the taxpayers that we can justify in some way, I haven't seen that yet. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. That is the governor. That is J.B. Pritzker, and he is addressing the idea of um, a new White Sox stadium at the 78. Mm-hmm. And just all that's missing is about a billion dollars in public funds, and the governor was asked about uh, uh, that and I guess it's not technically a request yet, although um, the uh, White Sox owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, has made no secret of the fact that he'd like a billion dollars. Well, yeah, he put on his best leather jacket, showed up in Springfield, and pitched uh, the idea oh, to was, some legislators. He was all leathered and lathered he as does. he went he in was there all up. to talk to everyone. And I guess officially he did not make the ask. Not audacious official. as it was for $1.2 billion in public subsidies. So I guess, technically speaking, yesterday, uh, Governor Pritzker did not say no, but it sure sounded like it. It sure sounded like he would be very reluctant to prioritize a if, baseball stadium if, over some other things in the state if, that require more Jerry, and deserve money. If Jerry should shuffle off this mortal coil, as uh, Bill Shakespeare would say, then Michael Reinsdorf has been instructed to sell the team, make as much money for the partners as possible, and that means whoever buys it would immediately leave Chicago. That would be the end of the Chicago White Sox, according to Jerry's uh, uh, interview in Crane's uh, business. That is the implication well, he, he left. It. Yeah, I, I think it. that to leave Chicago would be – Something that the new owners w- would have to be motivated to do. That, that's the ro- that's the risk you run by Jerry, who met doing that. with yeah. the mayor of yeah. Nashville during the. I still think that's far fetched. I, I I understand why the he's what? out. It's out there. I understand why it's an implied threat. I think there's so many different levers that have to be pulled with Major League him? Baseball. Why, why did you go meet him? Were you trying to plant a seed of a? Anyway, he met him because of leverage. He met JB, him. Be- it, it was false. JB said no. Well, he said a lot of things, but I think it came across as no. He did it eloquently. Yes. He did it skillfully. He crafted a statement. He, he expected the question. He needed to address it. He was making a, an appearance at the Southside Birthing Center. Yes. And he was uh, on on the way to somewhere else, and he was asked about it. And, and this, he had a ready answer. He was he? ready. He was yep. prepared. And yeah. this comes days after, within the last week of you know the, the budget unveiling, 52 $0.7 billion budget, right. I don't know that you're including in there money for a ballpark. I don't know that it's necessarily something that you want to be part of, even though it's been happening at an increasing rate around the country. You keep defending it. I don't keep defending it. You keep calling don't say for that. public funds. I do not call for public funds. You keep bringing up. I'm pointing happening. out that it's happened at other places. A lot of people getting a billion. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of people. A lot, a lot of, of people, billionaires getting a billion a lot of, dollars. A lot of billionaires getting handouts. Okay. Yes. I mean, I think that's the way of the world right now in, in, in pro sports because these 
these buildings have become so exorbitant in, in the cost, billions of dollars. You're also seeing, and there's a story on the front page of the Chicago Tribune this morning, the Red Stars are in line for some public funding for their stadium project. There are going to be every team that is going to want to expand by and enhance their organization by building a stadium structure. Is They're going to want help from the government. I, uh, I told you that my favorite ever Onion headline was... God answers child's prayer. And the subhead, no, says God. (laughs) I thought that was hysterical. And I feel like that applies here. JB answers Jerry's request. No. No. Says governor. Says governor. Yes. Right? Isn't that kind of what it was? Headline, Gov says no. And, And sadly, this is what is disguising itself as White Sox news. Uh, because there is news. Well, There's news from camp. Uh, all right, let's Nick, talk about that. Nick What's the news? Nes- Nick Nestrini. Yeah, okay. The no- what do you mean okay? <laughs> Go ahead. The number six prospect for the uh, Chicago White Sox pitched two innings yesterday, only allowed a run mm-hmm. to the Texas Rangers, and among others, uh, Jordan Leisure, who was mentioned by Scott Merkin as, uh, as maybe the breakthrough player for the Sox this year, he pitched a scoreless inning. Jordan so Beezer. the two guys that they got for the Lance Lynn slash Joe Kelly uh, debacle have uh, both had good days yesterday. Okay, that's great. That's news. That's news. That's All better right. than than asking for a billion dollars. I think that is the the kind of news the White Sox would prefer we focus on. I'm I'm giving it to you. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate that. You, no, done. you said, oh, okay. What's the new? <laughs> You've done you your due are, diligence. You are laughing <laughs> at the whole fast thing. You are mocking. Well, I'm only Pedro laughing Defoe. at the fast thing because F A S T. You know, I'm not the one to mock acronyms. Wrong show, wrong no, guy. No, but I do think that it's ironic and poorly timed that he talks about fast last week and in the first. Example against the Cubs. Second inning. Second inning. Martin Maldonado, the guy who's brought here to set an example. The leader. Lollygags it down the line. Yeah. I know it's only February, but that's a that's an impression that you don't want to make as far as first impressions go. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. But but that's I a mean, bad one. In fairness, maybe maybe Maldonado was kind of buying into the Tony LaRusso no. run, run at your own pace. No, he should not have. Type of thing. Should not have done that. No. Martin Maldonado was respecting sixty five. Yes. Not 90. He did not respect ninety. Yeah. And that's that's White Sox on brand. That is White Sox last year. That's White Sox under LaRusa. That's bad White Sox business. Teaching moment. Teaching. It is a teaching moment, but you don't want a teaching moment. Do you think that was intentional? Do you think that was set up? Hey Martin, first time you get a chance. Just jog. Dog it. I'm going to make an example out of you. Dead arse your way to first. I would almost respect Pedro Grafol more if that were the case. Um, like if I, he had staged that silly stunt to say, okay, I want to make an example out of you so you go lazily down the first baseline rather than this lapse in judgment from a veteran who was brought here to set an example. His first time he gets a chance to do that, he fails. We were talking about this yesterday, and, and off the air I said, I said to Brandon, I said, do you think that Pedro is the worst manager in the league? I mean, if you if you were just putting together a list, 
And and you know what he said? He said, oh, bottom three for sure, but maybe <laughs> not the worst. And I just couldn't stop laughing. I, as I was driving home, I was thinking of that answer. Bottom well, three? Well, definitely bottom three, but can we call him the worst? Okay. So who are the other two? Well, we didn't we didn't get that far, but I just love the idea that I'm not going to damn him as the worst manager. But he, you know, there's okay. probably 27 guys I better think than that. Him. Along those lines, the Sox have one of the three worst managers in baseball in the same city where the Cubs have one of the three best. Hmm. Okay. I don't think anyone's going to argue with that. Quite the gap. Maybe some of the fine folks in uh, in Brewer Nation. Who remember they never really won anything they in the playoffs. The, they were right? always in the in the mix. They, got they into would the not argue with that. If they argued with apart. that, they would be just Pedro, spiteful. Pedro only lost 101 games. He didn't get in the playoffs and then lose. I think Pedro, like, has got to stop talking about things in Kansas City terms. Like, the what they, they have the first time they have a dietitian ever. was that, Can you believe that, first of all? The White Sox, for the first time, hired a dietitian full-time? Why? Why did it take him this long to get somebody to tell people how to eat? What's a lawyer man has been living off the last five years? Well, Is that why he's so injured? They never had a dietitian. Yeah. Hey, put down the Doritos. I, you know, this is the first, anyway. He said we did that in Kansas City, and the, the director of strength and condition. We did that in Kansas City. I don't know that that's. I know Chris Getz talked about that, not being sensitive to that, but it's. I just bad optics so far. White Sox camp. Um, this is, uh, Maldonado talking about that. He said, I didn't come out of the box the way I should have come out of the box. I want to lead by example. I feel like as a team or as a person, we should have exactly the same mentality. If I want to get somebody, uh, accountable on their own, I have to be accountable to myself first. He's and, right. And that led Pedro Grafolda said, but the optics of it, they weren't good. And it doesn't take a baseball purist to see that. If the optics aren't good, it's not good. That's not who we are. I'm not expecting these guys to go 100 miles an hour to first base on a ground ball that the pitcher has, sec- uh, that the pitcher has secured the ball and the ball is already in flight to chest high. That's ridiculous, right? But I'll be damned if we're going to watch lack of effort. That's not who we are. That's that is now right there. He's better than at least five managers. <laughs> I don't know about that because the rest of them. What's wrong with going 100 miles per hour? What else do you have? To, what else do you have to hang your hat on if you're the White Sox? Effort. That's all you got. Yeah. That's all you can be about. You're yeah. going to be the grindy team, the gritty team. Well, because you, you got to save those right, hamstrings right. for later in the season. Please. What you don't want is to wear down late, like um, I've seen yeah. mention of the, the Cubs. You want to be they fresh. They kind of wore you, down at the end of the year. You want to be fresh if you're David the White Sox. David Ross didn't give everyone oh, a don't day bring off. The, don't bring the Cubs So into you had this. to run that guy out and bring in no. a better manager. If you're the Sox, what, you want to stay fresh for those last 15 losses? Yes. You got to be up to snuff. Between 85 and 100? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you Fair know what? They, they were the freshest 100 loss, 101 loss team in the majors last 101. year. 101. Let's yeah. get it. Straight. 101. It wasn't 100. Okay. They did better than that. They have no excuse. I don't care. I mean, it sounds a little they bit. They could be 10 games better. They could only lose 91. Hustle. It's a it's a low bar to clear. Hurry Effort. up. And no, it's not an acronym. Oh, it's a oh, verb. I'm sorry. It's a verb. I'm not. And fast is an adjective. 
It's not an acronym. I'm not speaking in acronyms. Oh, I'm sorry. I think the Sox need to hustle, and then the rest will, you know, we'll see. Your is Nestrini. Is he going to be in the majors this year? Uh, he's their number six prospect according to MLB.com. What that was that put? Him? What's his timetable? Six years. Okay. Colson Montgomery. How's he looked um, since you've watched? From from what I've watched, he looks young and tall. And um, he started the other day. He did. I got to start. I like that. I saw him Saturday. Yeah. Well, they got Paul DeYoung, so why would you want you know a, a good young player to play? Well, Paul DeYoung is a placeholder. Wait a minute. By the what? way, did you see the Cardinals signed Brandon Crawford to play shortstop for them? Cardinals have the oldest team in baseball right Just now. Just going to say, how old is he? They've got to have the oldest team in baseball. They've got more guys over 30. But that that's a that's a definitely a correction because Nolan Arenado and Goldschmidt told their general manager they wanted more veterans in the clubhouse because last year they didn't like having the young guys who didn't know how to be professionals. Well, and they still have those two guys. Yeah, <laughs> you know, when, it helps. I mean, you, you don't forget they still have those two guys. It helps. Yeah, the metrics say that a manager is two or three games total, and Pedro's going to challenge that again this year. In what direction? Exactly. <laughs> He's earned it, Molly. Why don't you be nicer to him? I, I am pretty nice Where would to you him. put him? Pedro Cafal? Yes. Am I ranking managers? You're just out of like all-time. Why'd he do this to me? All-time I, managers I, ever. Where would you put him? <laughs> bottom two? I, I think he's bottom five. Bottom I think five. he's probably bottom five. You, you, this year or in all? Dustin, of all time? Bottom two? I, no, I think he's definitely among the worst in, in baseball. Brandon says bottom three. I'm with Brandon. Is he the worst manager? No, bottom three. So kind. I have to look at it. 101 losses in your first season. Would be worse, but hard to say who would be worse. No. I need to look at that. Yeah, it's funny too. I was gonna say like, oh, Kansas City, but I forget they they let go of their manager. They got a yeah. new manager because they, they lost them. over 100 games. Yeah, so. they yeah. didn't they didn't promote Pedro when they had the opportunity. And the the worst teams in baseball. Is he Terry Bevington ish? Was well, closer to being Terry Bevington than he is Tony, Robin Ventura. Tony Larusa's second time around. Um, it, it, is that what he said? <laughs> Tony Lewis, the second time around, got to the playoffs, didn't he? I don't remember. I That's what Jerry the, would tell I you. The whole thing That's a Jerry right. thought it was a good idea. He did, thought it was a great didn't idea. Did he say that? He said yeah. that recently, didn't he? A he year did. ago? Something? He did. Yeah, I, th- I don't think that, that uh, I, don't, yeah. I don't think that Griffol is closer to any of the great managers or good managers the Sox have had. He's closer to being Bevington-esque. Right now, I think Jerry came out and said that wasn't a bad idea, and then almost simultaneously, the governor said no, <laughs> or something like that. I get well, all these stories well, confused. Look, governor Prisker's a Cub fan. Yes, so he said that too. Well, good for him. Yeah. No, I mean, there's no it was funny. Nobody wondering that. Nobody cares. That doesn't affect his. Well, that's why to, to, he doesn't want to give money. That's to not the why. Public. Some people may think he, that. Otherwise, if he had been a Sox fan, he'd give a billion dollars no. to the Sox. Didn't he say something like that? I think if Although he were I'm a Cubs fan, first and foremost. <laughs> Sorry for all the White Sox fans. Ner- nervous laughter. Well, if he were a Sox fan in the model that you are a Sox fan, yes, I think that Governor Prisker would give Jerry Reinsdorf a billion dollars to leave town. Mike is in Northbrook. Mike wants to say something. Hi, Mike. Well, respectfully, I'm I'm sick of all the negativity about the Sox. You know, there's some there's some good things about this team. 
starting with the fact that they happen to have two of the better power hitters around in Luis Robert and, and Jimenez, and they still got Moncada, who was looking better, and they got Benintendi. And, not, and aside from that, there's an old axiom about baseball, be strong up the middle. Well, look at them up the middle now. They got Maldonado, they got the Young, they got Lopez, and they got Roberts. That's real solid up the middle. And, by the way, that makes a pitching staff better. And, by the way, they still got Dylan Cease. They still got Kopech. They got some hope, I'm not saying for sure, in this guy who was, who was the number one pitcher in the Korean League. You guys just mentioned, and they Andrew mentioned at the Vaughan. time, when, La- when Lance, yeah, when Lance Lynn was Vaughan. traded. I, I can't remember. Yeah, they still got Andrew Vaughn. Yeah. I mean, so what I'm trying to say is I look at teams at the end of the year who's in the World Series, and I'm not seeing always teams that knock the heck out of the baseball even though the Sox right. have some guys that They're can do that. They're going with the Diamondbacks. Mike, look. I appreciate the phone call, and I yeah. apologize for Molly being so negative about the White Sox. See, I, I'm, the guy, <laughs> I'm the guy that brought up the positive. Nestrini and Leisure. <laughs> and on. what did you do? You pooped on the Mike, parade. But I do want to get back to this. You did. But because I did not poop on that. You, you pooped I didn't on poo-poo. the parade. It was a parade. I didn't poo-poo or scoff. A I don't parade? like our team. Molly's parade of positivity <laughs> Ended abruptly when David decided that uh, we weren't. They had Aloy last year. They had Luis Robert last year. They had Andrew Vaughn last year. And They've had Moncada Moncada for a while. They lost 101 games. And I do think that they have some upgrades defensively up the middle. That's a very valid point, Mike. I appreciate what you're pointing out. They got a new right fielder. They got a new second baseman. They Mm -hmm. got a new catcher. They got a new shortstop. They do. They got four new positions. Right. In the everyday lineup. They're not necessarily household names. They're not necessarily all-star players. But they are different. So there's strength There you that. go again with that positivity. <laughs> they are different. Change is good. Uh-huh. And change for the sake of change is better when you have a team that lost 101 games. Fair enough. So we will limit the negativity as much as we can. We'll try to work on that. and we'll I, don't, hope- I wasn't remotely negative. About the Sox? Never. No. No, I wasn't. I was talking about a good young pitcher, and I mentioned that uh, that uh, Scott Merkin said that uh, the reliever was one of the better players in camp and might make the team. Is that what he said? He did. He said it. I heard it. Brandon is low-key negative there. Brandon's stirring the pot low-key with a smile on his face. Mr. Third-worst manager in baseball. Nobody's calling in and saying Brandon's too negative. Okay, but next time. Next time. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score. It's over. This, they're taking this kid right here, and if they don't take this kid, then Ryan Pohl should be fired. <laughs> Mully and Haw, Chicago, Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score. Wow. That is uh, Boomer Esiason. Boomer. And he's telling you that it's over, that the uh, – the first pick of the draft should be Caleb Williams, this kid. He's pointing to him on a screen. And if he doesn't take him, he should be fired. Bears are on the clock. Ryan Poles is in Indianapolis holding court shortly if he's not already. I think Kevin Warren's down there too, right? Is he? Of course. Just to fire presiding, him in case he comes away with a different pick. Presiding over the affairs and maybe scouting out. Who knows? Maybe Zinesville is a good potential site for the the Bears. Maybe he's looking for a stadium site down there. I think Ryan Poles, in looking at this dilemma, it's not a dilemma at all. And and I think hearing Boomer Siason express uh, what we believe, I think is interesting because it also 
without maybe being that stark or that direct, that is, I think, the feeling around the National Football League. If Ryan Poles doesn't take Caleb Williams and passes on a second year in a row to draft a quarterback with the first overall pick, and that quarterback goes somewhere else and stars, fireball offense. And why would you put yourself in that kind of job jeopardy? I think it was Dustin who pointed this out. You, you don't trade Justin Fields, and you know if you trade the pick, you probably are. That's a risky move, and that's really it's a risky move and put yourself and in shortening your tenure. And if you right. you draft Caleb Williams, you extend it. You give yourself more. You just bought yourself more time. You reset the clock yes. on, the, on the rookie contract and your own. That's true. That is true. <laughs> That's the reality of it. Chris is listening on the Odyssey app. He feels differently. Hey, Chris. Chris? Hi, hi Chris. Chris, I can hear you. Go ahead, Chris. Chris, you, for the purpose of this call, you have to be Chris, Chris. Rick? Can we call you? Can we call you, Chris? Just for the show, uh, question: How come nobody's bringing up Jaden Daniels? Caleb Williams is great and all like that, but six foot tall, not so much. Jaden Daniels throwing dimes down the field, forty yards, and he's six foot four, two hundred. So what the heck? Thanks, Chris. Jaden Daniels, tremendous prospect. I think his name was Rick. Thanks, Rick. Well, we can call him Chris. I knew a Rick Chris at one point. Did you I really? Did, yes. Who's Rick Chris? It's from my hometown. Wow. <laughs> so. You figured if you, you know, call them each one, either do you, one. Do you like a lot of dudes with two first names? Jeff George. Jerry Angelo. <laughs> See, we could do this all day. Greg Gabriel. Okay. But I, I think, think be that. a lot of guys up there. Jaden Daniels is a tremendous prospect. He is going to be one of those players. You would call it maybe a created player, but I think that he's going to ascend quickly, right? He is this year's Tony Richardson, Anthony Richardson, that the Colts took out of Florida, and you wondered at the beginning of the process where he would land. I think Jaden Daniels is likely a top 10, possibly top 5 pick. I just don't know that if you're number 1 overall, if you would take him instead of Caleb Williams. Now, there's going to be measurements, and certainly I'm anticipating this this week. Caleb Williams is going to be measured, and people are going to react in a way that is amusing. He's not going to be 6'1". He may not be 6 feet. And wow. I, I, who knows? But okay. you know, you know how this goes. How tall? Oh, I, do you, I, how, how tall do you think he he will come in at? Well, and now you put me on the spot. Six feet and a quarter I'm inch. Gonna, I'm going to go with six three. <laughs> but I'm I'm sticking with the USC measurements. Yeah. Well. No, I, I would. I mean, honestly, I mean, he could be six feet tall. He might be five eleven and a half. Mm-hmm. And if he's but if he's less than five eleven. Of, well, yeah. I don't think so. No. If he's shorter than six feet, I think people will, will panic. Yes. I think there will be a reaction to yeah. that. You want you want a guy to be about six foot four. You know what you want is you want like uh, you want Drake May. Drake May's a prototype. That's a prototype. But Jaden Daniels is also Lamar Jackson esque yes. in that way. JJ McCarthy is six three, I believe. He's very thin. Okay. JJ McCarthy looks like he could use a cheeseburger. I, I, I think he definitely I never could add him some of being weight. Hefty. I just talked about his height. I just think he could he could fill out a little bit. He's going. I to. have a friend who's a scout in the league and mm-hmm. loves Jaden Daniels. Loves him. Would he take and him he over thinks, Caleb Williams? Yes. 
A lot of people might do yeah, that. Yeah, no, but he, he believes that he has got a lot of Lamar Jackson with a stronger, more accurate arm. It's a defensible position. I, I think that it's easier. Put it this way. I could almost. What do you think Boomer thinks? <laughs> well, if they take Jaden Daniels over Caleb Williams, I'd fire Ryan Poles on the spot. That'd be that'd be Boomer. That's me doing Boomer. <laughs> I, I I think though, Mully, Jaden Daniels. If the Bears, for whatever reason, were to take Jaden Daniels over Caleb Williams, that's almost a more defensible position. If they believe that with conviction, then I think keeping and and reinvesting in Justin Fields only because of the ceiling of the quarterback. You think Jaden Daniels will be a better professional quarterback than Justin Fields? Do I? Yes. No. You don't? I don't. No, I think I think Caleb wow. Williams is going to be the best professional quarterback in the draft. Oh, okay, that I, I agree with that. No, that's not what I'm asking. I think Caleb Williams will be the best. Do you think Jaden Daniels will oh, be better than oh, Justin I'm Fields? I'm sorry, I misunderstood. I thought you were I, – I, when you said Justin Fields, I heard Caleb that's Williams. That's okay. Um, well, that's a good question. I, I can't answer that question. I don't have enough information. But it's not outrageous to think that. I don't have enough information on Jaden Daniels. I'm going to need to – I'm going to need to see more. Uh, we have some breaking news. We do. Is it breaking news? Uh, Ryan Pohl said the Bears are in the process of getting a contract extension done for Jalen Johnson. They're that, in the process of getting it done. Well, that's news then. That's, that, news. that's a really good development. He also said they have no master plan on quarterback just yet. They are here, meaning Indy, to gather information. Mm-hmm. So that's a good way of ducking that question. Well, that is a good way of ducking that question. He was more forthcoming about the Jalen Johnson development than I would have expected. Right. But that's really good news based on especially the context with the conversation we had earlier. You can't lose him from the locker room. You want to reinvest in your own, and Jalen Johnson backed up the big talk, and he definitely deserves an extension. Um, Rick. Rick is on the road. Hey, Rick. I don't know if your name's Chris. We may have had some confusion, but you'll be Rick. I'm a real Rick. You're a real real Rick. Rick. Okay, great. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, Molly, I just wanted to say I don't think you're being too negative about the White Sox. Hanging your hat on Nicky Lopez, Paul DeYoung, and Martin Maldonado is pretty sad at this point. I was just going to say if I wanted to see and, bad and, baseball. And who's the, new, who's the new right fielder? I, Dominic Fletcher. Dominic Fletcher. Dom. Yeah, there's Dom or Dominic? Guy. Who's the other guy? There's another guy. Who- Molly, I'll be I'll be honest. I'm not even following it that close. I'm yeah. so turned off by what's going on there. Yeah, I, and so, I, you know, you, Rick, God bless you. I I watched the first two games because I wanted to hear John Schifrin with Stoney and just kind of know what's going to happen. And I, as I told David earlier, a buddy of mine texted me and said that you know his enthusiasm is going to wane as he watches this team. Which maybe is a negative comment, I, but it amused me. I'm still trying to figure out who you think is in the outfielder. You said the P guy. There's some guy Who's, whose name begins with a P. Come Peyton, on. Bur- Peyton Burdick? No, no. He's on the 40 man. Who else? Who else? They got another guy. Not in the outfield. I, it's, it's Fletcher, but there was another guy in right field that uh, someone mentioned to me. I don't know. <laughs> and you think that. And, and when I say his name begins with a P, you think that John Schriffen is going to run out of enthusiasm by the end of the year? Well, I don't know how he's going to maintain that degree of excitement if he watches a hundred long. He's got to tell the truth. Oh, he will. But, but I, I think he's. I thought yeah. he was very professional. Yeah, I thought he, he, he did a good job. Stoney will 
Stoney will get him through it. Stoney's seen this movie before. Let's get to Jeff. Jeff is listening on the Odyssey app. What's Hi, up, Jeff? Jeff, how are you? Hey, guys. Um, I, if Caleb Williams goes to Washington and has, let's say, gets lucky and has a C.J. Stroud-type year, but they finish like 7-10. and 10. But the Bears, who should improve, maybe it's with Fields, maybe it's something else, but get all these picks and build a team like the 90s Cowboys, and maybe finish eleven and six or twelve and five next year, and then have a run. Why do you think Poles would be in trouble because he got rid of Caleb or didn't pick Caleb Williams? Jeff, do you really think the the, the Bears are on the verge of building the nineties Cowboys if Justin Fields is the quarterback? I think they could be if, if that if, was if, Boomer if, who said if, that. By the way, let's let's get yeah, that. I know Boomer said it, but hey, but if you guys build, you got three years to build. And if you build a team and Fields isn't the guy, you can you can pretty much put a decent quarterback in there, and you're going to have a great team. I respect where you're coming from, Jeff. I really yeah. do. It's a defensible argument. I'll keep saying that. But I just don't think that when you have a chance to look at the, the rest of the league and see the examples of elite quarterbacks elevating every aspect of your operation, and you have an opportunity, an opportunity that is rare, that for you to do that, I just don't think you pass. I'm with Boomer. I don't know that I would fire Ryan Poles on the spot, but I do think that if he doesn't draft Caleb Williams and he goes somewhere else and he becomes C.J. Stroud, Joe Burrow, that kind of quarterback, a top 10 quarterback, then he will get fired because of that Because of that decision. Uh, back to the Sox briefly. <laughs> uh, Dominic Fletcher is the – is ostensibly the starting right fielder. I was thinking of Kevin Pillar. Who oh, yeah, the minor name, leaguer. Okay. His last name begins with a P. Minor league contract. Thank you, Kevin Pillar. Yeah. Yeah, he's brought in camp. Him in and he was, he's a uh, vet. He was playing when I he, saw. He's, a set, he's there to set an example. And Oscar Colas is no longer a Cuban Notani. He's in he's camp, even, though. He's not pitching. And he's, he's in camp. He's on the 40, man. He's not really playing. But he's there. He's a he's a, he's a person. He's probably he behind, has feelings. He's probably behind Gavin Sheets. Stop talking negatively about Oscar Colas. Yeah, Bruce said he's going to make the team. No, he didn't. He said he's in, he's in camp. He's going to probably spend the year in Charlotte working on a lot. I think that the word is that Pedro Grafol didn't always like or appreciate Oscar Colas's approach last year. Oh, so uh, well. Where would you rank Oscar Colas among all right fielders in baseball versus bottom three? Bottom three. Yes. Bottom three that's, always. That's yeah. Bottom three. We're Brandon. doing a lot of bottom three. Bottom three, Brandon. That's pretty good. Texter asked this question. Who's taller? Caleb Williams or Dominic Fletcher? Yeah. That's a. I, I, he better be taller than Dominic Fletcher. Dominic Fletcher is like 5'8, right? 5'6. 5'6. I, I think he's listed at 5'6. Yeah. Good hitter. A lot of bat. Good bat. Makes contact. Yeah. I bet she's a good bunter. Well, um, Kevin Pilar, six feet tall. Let's, let's, let's get it straight. And um, and your guy, Gavin Sheets, <laughs> even taller than that. Texas are out of hand. I just was Gavin, called another name on the text Gavin, line. Gavin Sheets, six foot five. Gavin Damn Sheets you. is a tall, strapping young man with a lot of power from the left side. Mm. Do you think he's got... A little DH possibility. A little DH written all over him. Although with Aloy, Aloy's not playing right field. So Gavin Sheets, it's a conundrum. I thought that's why I thought they would be more active in this offseason. Either Aloy or Gavin Sheets. You had 
it's it's a redundant piece. You could have probably gotten something for either. Who's playing right field? Fletcher. Who's playing left field? Benintendi. And he's had the best offseason he's had. Benintendi? Benintendi came out and said he Absolutely. had a great, he had a great offseason. He's your left fielder, and Luis Roberts your center fielder. He's had season, and he wants to prove that he belongs and he's real good. Well, I would have the same approach after coming off last year's disaster. I'd have the same mentality. Everybody wants to have that. The best offseason? Yes. Best offseason ever. You want to follow up your worst season that you've ever experienced with your best offseason that you've ever enjoyed. So, yeah, I can understand that. I just don't know what to expect from Benintendi. What is he? On-base guy? Good glove guy? Texter says he'd take Pilar over Caleb Williams. <laughs> Maybe he said it the other way. All right, we've got uh, Dan and Lawrence. We're going to chat with them next. Hopefully we get more information out of uh, the Combine. That's good news uh, that they are uh, close to working. With I wonder them. what the average annual value of J- Jalen Johnson's salary will be. What will be the AAV? Will it be north of $20 million, which could possibly make him the highest paid cornerback in the NFL? Um, Polls also said he'd like to know tomorrow where they're going with the quarterback, but that's not how the process works. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, oh, oh. O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 